pretty. I just reverted to my 15-year-old self. <laughs> Got a little tear in my eye. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the This Is Music podcast. I always forget the name of the album. It takes a I'm, while. I'm glad you always enter- introduce it. Of the podcast or yeah. the album. I just be like, welcome to the, the music podcast. <laughs> this is a podcast about music. Uh, welcome to it. Um, yeah, so today we are doing Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, we're doing back-to-back double albums. Back, if, you've, yeah. if you've caught our uh, flow, we, we have some kind of uh, consistency from album to album. Not really, but kind of. Just uh, theme, theme theme wise, wise. yeah. We, you know, we do Cat Power with what we, you know, with uh, Tom Waits. We have the Radiohead albums on the fives, the Beatles on the zeros. Yup, <laughs> nice. Uh, we've done uh, Tool with Deftones, and we're gonna keep it up. So today, what we have is the second half of our double albums, and also the second half of our uh, theme concepts. Double, Double albums. albums. Yes. Um, this is a concept album. Nothing like The Wall. I mean, The Wall is a completely different beast. Nope. And Very inspired by The Wall, though. Yeah, absolutely. They wanted to make the... The Wall uh, of the Generation the, the X. The grunge wall. Yeah, yeah. the Wall of, of Generation X, exactly. Um, so yeah, this is this is uh, Smashing Pumpkins, Melancholy, and the Infinite Sadness, released in 2000... And, wow, 1995. 2019 and 95? <laughs> 2000 and 1995. Which is uh, 21, 21 years, years ago. ago. Yeah. <clears throat> Melancholy, uh, M-E-L-O-N, space, C-O-L-L-I-E. Nice little twist on mm-hmm. the, the word. I think that's huge. If it was melancholy, yeah. it would be too dramatic. What's melancholy? It's a melancholy. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, that's a dark-sounding name. So they tried to cuten it up a little bit. Uh, the title just came from him walking uh, on Coney Island one day and just... Whatever you do when you're walking on Coney Island, that name just appeared, and he wrote it down. And he said, "I'm gonna need this someday." I think he did it in like '91 or '92. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's just something good... that sounded sounded cool, rolled yeah. off the tongue nicely, yeah, um, and kind of hilarious, yeah. You know, like over dramatic, but kind of like it's nice. Yeah, that'll work. And I think for any artistic type person, you you know, when shit like that pops up in your head, you don't let it go. You write it down for whatever reason. You might not knew, you might not have uh, anything to do with it now, but. Uh, in you know yeah who in, didn't in know it was gonna four years it'll be their one of their biggest albums yeah their, 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 their biggest their grand statement yes. or what he wanted to be his final mm-hmm. grand statement mm-hmm. um yeah so pumpkins are coming into this is album officially number three they did have a b-side of leftovers from the first two albums um so this is so yeah officially album three but like they got four albums worth of material they're coming off of Siamese Dream, which is an album we could have easily done too, yeah. but we're doing the double album thing. Mm-hmm. And we didn't know, well, you know, we're going to be doing white albums soon enough. That's one another one we could have chose. Whatever. We could go into all the other double, double albums. But yeah. I think this one uh, deserves to be uh, recognized. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I grew up, Siamese Dream for me was my like, all right, I love the pumpkins now. I love Smashing Pumpkins. Um, and, and then obviously once I... Wore that re- wore that record out. It was like, okay, let's listen to other shit. Cause I think I list- I think when Siamese, not when it came out, cause I was too young, but when I discovered Smashing Pumpkins, I just blew through Siamese Dream over and over and over yeah. and over again. It's like, okay, let's listen to something else. And Melancholy was was naturally the next step. Uh, and it's just like it's 28 songs, double rec, double album here. 
and bangers. I mean, yeah. it, it's like it's not, it doesn't have the interludes Filler. or anything like that. It's just song, 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 yeah. song, 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 um, and it's just great. Yeah. This, especially for a double album. I mean, you can listen to any side, anytime. This album, you can. <coughs> Whoa, excuse me. Yeah, it's George. While George coughs, yeah, it's double album, and it's it's not like the wall. You can absolutely shuffle this shit up yeah. if you want. You could put it all together. You could just listen to one side, and I think even Corgan said that that he he knows that this is a lot to. No one has two hours to sit down, let alone two assholes talk for three hours about the album, <laughs> which is what we're doing. Um, yeah. But he, yeah, he knew this was a heavy load. This isn't something you just put on and uh, expects you to listen. And he even said in interviews, like he talked to a lot of people that didn't even listen through um, Siamese Dream. They they would get to like disarm, you know, and and, and that Siamese Dream is just front loaded with those fucking five singles yeah. that just destroy. Yeah. And the, I mean, the whole album is masterpiece. But a lot of people just listen to those first five. Um, so he knew that most people probably wouldn't even listen to the second half of this album a year later. But at that moment, whatever, whatever, however we want to put it, a tap being open, Billy Corgan was just being fed songs. Yeah. And besides, you know, Kurt Cobain, who died the year before, he was, you know, maybe you could say STP and Pearl Jam, they're the biggest band out there. So this was their moment, you know. How the dude gets self-inflicted wound yeah. and uh this it's is allegedly this is yeah besides Courtney Killer. yeah um he he wanted to write the wall of Generation uh, Generation X and not at all like a concept of the, that idea but just come with the grand statement for the 90s and that's a such a what's the word pretentious way of looking at it like I'm gonna be the one that's gonna write it but someone's gonna fucking try it yeah and and, and that's maybe the the People who don't like the pumpkins is is the, them going trying to be so pretentious like we are gonna be the the spokesman and I'm gonna try to write the grand album. But what, well, I think especially that? at this time, you mentioned you know uh, you mentioned Pearl Jam, STP, you know Jane's Addiction was a little bit before this, Just Nirvana, the, yeah. and I think that people people lumped in uh, people lumped in Smashing Pumpkins in with grunge music and it. it, it, it you can make the argument that it is grunge, but I remember the first time I heard of like, like alternative music was. Yeah. I think the first alternative people I heard might have been Smashing Pumpkins. I think yeah. that they took that whatever alternative means. I mean, alternative is such a it's just like here, here's guitar music or whatever. It's just yeah. such a broad term. Um, but what they did here was kind of just do their own fucking thing. You know, yeah. they, you hear a Smashing Pumpkin song, you know it's a Smashing Pumpkin song. They found their niche. Um, you know, they they they're coming off of Siamese Dream here, which the, now I think Siamese pushed them into mainstream. Oh, for sure, for they're sure, huge. And then now they're like, okay, here's this. I th he he realizes he has the one moment. This yeah. is the moment. He's, they're not gonna get bigger, <laughs> he, he, or they're they're. Everyone knows that you have that short burst yeah. in in whatever endeavor that you go in, especially artistic endeavor. And you have that one moment to kind of shine. Um, I, I, I think this, he, you know, like when you're saying the pumpkins were lumped into all that, you're right. Not that I could see Pearl Jam doing a Nirvana song or Soundgarden doing a Pearl Jam song, but I kind of could, but I couldn't see anyone doing Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, yeah. 
or even attempting to. Or in the style of Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they have, you have... Okay, so we have Billy Corgan with one of the most distinct voices in rock and roll by, like, easy. I mean, yeah. you know Billy Corgan singing. Um, he was told all his life that there was no way he was ever going to make it because he has a terrible voice. His voice and he's like, is... Fuck you. Yeah, and... I mean, I'll be... be yeah, I wouldn't say I love I like his voice, but I would never say that he's got a great voice uh, at all. Um, but then he's surrounded by by a dope band. Yeah. I mean, he this is now Smashing Pumpkins has you know we're in 2016. The 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 lineup has has revolved. All I'm sure you know drugs have gotten involved. Billy Corgan's oh, big a head has gotten involved. Cliche album of of drugs. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, we have drummer Jimmy Chamberlain, who's an absolute monster. Um, not like as a human being, just as a as a as a, as a drummer. Yeah, I, if if you're gonna say pumpkins to me, it's gonna be Corgan's voice, the guitar, and Jimmy Chamberlain. Yeah, and I'm not putting down the other guys. I'm just saying if you like have to strip it down to what makes them. Mm -hmm. Well, it's Billy Corgan writing great songs. Yeah. That that when they go distortion, that sound that he has, and then Jimmy Chamberlain is this like ridiculously advanced jazz type drummer. And trying to bring that style into rock and roll. Yeah. And there's songs on here that will just, you just listen to it and. Almost don't make sense. Yeah. There's yeah. there's one, yeah, there's a part in one song where I'm just I'm laughing at how good the drums are. Uh, yeah, and we saw, uh, so J Jimmy Chamberlain is Jimmy. back with the band. He's back with, you know, Smashing Pumpkins. We he saw had, that. He had his drug problem. Yeah, we saw Smashing Pumpkins last summer play. Yeah. Um, and they're a very mercurial band. I, I've heard a lot of different things. Oh, Smash Pumpkins suck live. I've seen them, and it's Billy Corgan. You know, he he uh, he won't play the hits. He, he's he won't he didn't want to play the hits for a while. And I think now, you know, I think he can see twenty years twenty years after you know these records, his 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 peak as far as you know hits go. Yeah, I think he's now being now he's stepped away from it long enough where you know we saw him last year and it was one of the best shows I've seen. In a while, I, last last year might have been the best show I've seen. I think it's a smart move, actually. Now, when I look back twenty years, because as much as I love the Pumpkins, I've never seen them live until we saw that yeah. show. Oh, um, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it, it just and I did have this weird thing where once Chamberlain was gone and the other guys were gone, I just I didn't want it to like ruin my fucking childhood Your fantasy, fantasy of, it. of it. Yeah, and I just really wanted to see Jimmy Chamberlain play drums for yeah. them if they were gonna have a tour. Yeah. So when they announced that was gonna happen, yeah. And, and now, uh, so again, in 2016, the band uh, is rumored to bring everybody back uh, that was on this record, the original four. This is the original. We, uh, Billy Korgs, Jimmy Chamberlain, uh, Darcy Retsky, like Gretzky, yep. and uh, Jimmy Eha, James Eha. Yes. On, uh, on guitar. Yep, that started That's out with... Fearsome Foursome right there. Started out with James Eha and Corgan. Um, they would just play like cure type songs and they have that sound too they, mm -hmm. they got the glam rock they got the 80s synth yeah. sound which is which is really this album is just a splurge of all that um but it just started off with them two and they had a drum machine and billy corgan's like it was fucking terrible with the drum machine yeah, yeah, yeah. It, well just and we were just young and didn't know how to write songs yet and mm -hmm. corgan even when i was listening to them them i didn't realize how great of a guitarist he actually is like I was Billy just Corgan, yeah, 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 yeah for yeah. a while I just thought it was all James Eha, yeah. but he's one of the best guitarists of that time, and he's not standard. No, he's, he 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 does weird things on guitar. Yeah, it all it's almost like he's a bad guitar player who found a way to be good. 
if that makes sense. Like, he found... Well, he doesn't believe in, like, if you listen to a couple of the first albums, he's a little more flashy, and then he realized, or we're not going to realize, he just likes, he, he realized it's not about that. And even Jimmy Chamberlain said that, too, about the drums on this album, is they wanted to just write great songs. Mm-hmm. Not, we, we can, we've already done the, he goes off and does this crazy solo, and then I'll do some great drum solo thing in, in the middle of a song. We're showing off to our peers how good we are. Yeah. But that gets old. And that, and that shit at the end of the day won't last. Whatever is going to last, and maybe nothing will last. Um, but you're hoping to write that, that statement that will kind of be talking about it 20 years, which is what we're doing now. Exactly. Um, but, I mean, they, they're one of those bands that had a run from Gish to this album, and then even Adore, which, you know, like you said... Siamese Dream for you, you played that out, and then you just didn't, not to have time for this, but like you just played that so out that you're mm-hmm. like, I'm moving on to other stuff. Yeah. I was in the kind of the opposite direction where I was 15 when this album came out. I was grounded being a douchebag at 15, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I still made my mom go get the album for me because <laughs> I was just obsessed. <laughs> so as much as I was grounded, I, I could still get it, yeah. the, the album. Uh-huh. Um, and it was kind of cool being grounded because that's all I did was just listen to this album religiously. Like, fine. Yeah, fine. yeah. I love being grounded. I'm going to go to my bedroom <laughs> listen to this shit. I'm going to listen to my, my angsty, angsty rock and roll music. Yeah, and, and this <laughs> album is, uh, it's written for, in, he's just being, it's for any age, but it's written for the 14 to 24 year olds. It's like kind of a love letter to the innocent moment of your existence and the most yeah. confusing time the most beautiful time, the most darkest time. I mean, you you still got people on Facebook who tell how much they fucking hate high school and how much it affected them, and they just didn't have a band to write songs about it. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. And then you got people that loved it and had a great time and partied and got laid and the best years of their lives. Best years of their lives, and then they're not doing so well now. Yeah. So it's weird. It's it's just a uh, fourteen to twenty four seems right. So yeah, it hit me right at fifteen. Um, so it got to my little sensitive heart mm. and uh, it really stuck with me and I just like as I think all the bands that we we choose for the most part I like really aggressive hard music and I like really soft fucking songwriter shit mm. and they I like how they just meld that all on together they have it and they have everything yeah they and have, it's very a little bit of it all and it's that's why I think it's a little more white album than uh, The Wall mm. it's just it's this conglomerate of different sounding songs that they all kind of have a theme about adolescence and childhood but they're they're just kind of random it sounds like it almost sounds like it's four different people writing songs but it, it's all pretty much coming from Corgan mm-hmm. though he does give Eha two songs in this album yep one of them not a big fan of and then the other one is beautiful but and, yep. and we'll get all into that um he called it the uh if he kind of as a one kind of summation of the album the human condition of mortal sorrow <laughs> so yeah, that's big it's a big, big thing to say yeah yeah but it's, it's a it's a it's a very broad big thing to say like yeah how yeah how do you encompass an album you know yeah and i, I mean i think here we have we do have the concept album of of that angsty you know angsty 14 to 24 year old people yeah and you know the, the, so this album's a double album one side two side three side four side and you have names for side one you have na- a name for side two dawn to dust it's all yeah dawn to uh, what are they, they dawn to dust is side one mm-hmm. and then twilight to starlight is mm-hmm. side two and uh, you don't have the vinyl right 
Uh, no, I've uh, signed this room. I don't so, um, the record company, you know, right before them, uh, Guns N' Roses came out with Use Your Illusion 1, Use Your Illusion 2. Yeah. And Billy Corgan even addresses that and was like, you know, th- there's some great songs on it, but there's a lot of filler. And it's true. I've listened. I just saw Guns N' Roses probably a couple weeks ago on their Welcome Back Fucking Never Happened on Earth tour, whatever it was called. Um, you Only Live Once. You Only Live Once YOLO, YOLO tour. tour. Um, and yeah, so I was kind of listening to all their, their whole discography. And Use Your Illusion has some fucking dope songs, but yeah. there is a lot of fucking filler in there. Mm-hmm. They're just like, oh, man, if you tighten that shit up, you would have a, a great follow-up to your yeah. great album. Yeah. Um, but they were splurging. I, I don't feel this way with this album. I, I don't feel they're like, ooh, you know, maybe you could always say, oh, you, you could have shortened this up and made a great album. But again, I, that, that's where I think the tap was open and he knew these were all solid songs. I don't feel there's much filler for me. No, I don't think so either. I mean, this song has, or this album, five singles that came out of these, yep. and each one of these singles are like more popular and more famous than the more good. Wow, that was terrible. Last more time. good, more good than than the next. There is no filler. Even the songs that you go, oh, that I don't really know that song. It's kind of a deeper cut yeah. on melancholy. Um, it, it's just like that could have easily been a hit, but you know. We got 1979 on this record also. Or, you know, we have zero. And, and none of those songs really sound like the other one. No, they don't. You know? Yeah. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't want to go into each single, but you're right. 1979 doesn't sound like Tonight Tonight. Tonight mm-hmm. Tonight doesn't sound like uh, Zero. Yeah. Um, if anything, Zero and Butterfly Wings, just because they have distortion, but they're still totally different. They're, yeah. And I think, uh, like you said, the tap was open with, with, with Billy Corgan. And, and so they were coming off of, they were coming off of Siamese Dream. Did the tour and all that stuff. It was tumultuous. Well, then. Yeah, and there's the whole Siamese Dream was pretty much the Billy Corgan show. He ended up redoing the guitar takes, the bass mm-hmm. uh, playing. So it's pretty much all him, all instruments besides Jimmy Chamberlain playing yeah. the drums. Not a good time for the band. Mm-hmm. And and you would think after that album blew up, he'd be like, "Well, I'm gonna keep it this way." The, our biggest album ever. I played most clearly. Of it. it worked, but he was he was open to letting them more. He, he realized this would make. Well, that's how fucking band works. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to be a dictator here. Um, and this is their the best time the band ever had, and it's it's also the end of them as well, as far as the four piece. Yeah. Jimmy Chamberlain ended up uh, having an overdose. Their keyboardist overdosed and died. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he was fired shortly after, and they made one more album, then blah, blah, blah. He comes back eventually. Yeah. Um, so this is the last goodbye. And they even said on all the interviews that I was reading when this album's coming out, that you, like, you you won't hear us do... This is the end of Pumpkin this, Era. This Pumpkin, this, yeah. Because this they, they did... They, he, Billy Corgan did move on, and he, they made him a little more electronic... Yep. A heavy, a yeah. little more serious really. songwritery, yep. um, and just really changed the style up. And I think a lot of people fell off of Pumpkins for that reason, obviously because the nostalgia of Pumpkins went away, yeah. or, or, or what not not went away was was had a really strong ho- hold on people where they're like, "This isn't the Pumpkins I grew up." Dude, like, what is this? Yeah, shit? I didn't finish. Yeah, I did that's the same thing. That's exactly. That's kind of where you were saying from Siamese to that, that and I didn't finish that. Yeah, yeah. So I got that album. And then they came out with The Door, and now I love that album, but when at 8, that came out when I was 17, 18, 
and I was still just in that the heavier mm. type of music, and it just was like they went electronic and like soft sounding. Just like them. this is the Pumpkins. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is that was my favorite album, and yeah. now what'd you do? So I felt betrayed or whatever. Yeah. But the, you feel betrayed because you're 18 and you have no idea what the fuck's going on, uh -huh. and you actually care that much, um, and you're <laughs> mad at people that you don't know. Um, did you hear Brangelina broke up? Brangelina? Yeah. Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. Yeah, it's over. Get out of here. No. The song's perfect for right. that. This podcast is over. I'll see you guys. Everyone just, we'll, we'll get through this. <laughs> this album is about Brangelina. Yeah. Um, Brangelina so is melancholy and Brad Pitt is infinite sadness. <laughs> and the record company was not excited about hearing them wanting to do a double CD. Yeah. It's a lot of extra work. It's a lot of extra... A lot of money, a lot of extra work. I mean, they even had... I think they had 57, something like that, yeah. songs, 60 songs. Mm -hmm. And then they narrowed it down to what do we have 28. here is 28. Um, Billy Corgan had, a, had a, a funny little quote about... He was saying they had to do, you know, get down to the... Get down to... Brass tacks. The, 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 the songs you want to put on. We... Uh, Eliminate them by playing a game of Parcheesi. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah, we let, that's fine. No, they're all good. There's no one we can really, like, choose to get rid of. They just had so much. Um, so, yeah, so then they get into recording this. They are working together as a band, like you said. Um, Jamming a lot. Jam, yeah. They were, so they, they made time to not, of what they had a problem with on, on Simon's Dream was doing spending hours and hours and hours and hours and hours perfection trying to make the perfect guitar track trying to make the perfect drum track they, they said that they the, the the guitars took most of the time and he didn't want to do that because there's a lot of time wasted yeah so what they did with what they did with melancholy was basically take the studio over well butch vig is gone but for this one he is yep oh you didn't didn't do your homework, George. No. Oh, no. Yeah. Confused. So Butch Vig is gone. Okay. Sorry, I didn't want to just cut off. Just no, so no, no. Th That's why Go they ahead. changed a whole bunch of shit. So Butch Vig is kind of... I act like everyone knows who he is, but yeah. he's a guy who did Nevermind. He did Siamese Dream. Mm -hmm. um, and he had that more perfectionist way of, of doing cuts, and it showed in some great work. Mm -hmm. Flood and Alan Mulder came in. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And they worked with Depeche Mode, U2, a lot of U2. Mm -hmm. Um and that kind of aspect, Nine Inch Nails, and, and they kind of brought in that more, uh, the Flood said, that's great, you have these songs, but also we're gonna have two rooms. I want you guys writing the songs, the songs you got, but then I want you just jamming. Yeah. And come up with riffs and shit. Just so, e even though you think you have enough songs, let's keep creating songs in the studio while we're working on the, working on this mm -hmm. on the songs that you already have down and what, what that made what that made the band do was instead of just sitting around waiting for okay yeah. well that's not my turn now jimmy's or james is gonna do you yeah know, guitar track a lot over of that. and over and over and over and over again i get to have fun in the other studio yeah jamming jamming shit out yeah or, and uh and i think it just made it it did allow the band to have a little bit more um a little more camaraderie amongst themselves where they're actually having fun yeah playing it instead of it being like a like a hard nine to five job making music you know what i mean yeah. just over and over doing this guitar track let's do this again let's do this again but they were doing 16 hour days yeah for i mean the amount of work put into this album is kind of crazy just the amount of hours they put in and it was the two rooms that you're saying so corgan would be in one room starting an experiment and maybe where do i want to take this song and darcy and eha would be doing their guitar parts mm -hmm. and shit so there was just always this constant 
I think that helps get everything moving along instead of slouching by and just, yeah, everyone's sitting on the couch listening to someone do a guitar track 45 times. And it, they all sound great, and then you have to choose between which, and you know, then everyone gets stale, and people go off and do heroin. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you got to keep busy there. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had, like, a rough draft, um, or Billy Corgan did. And then a lot of the jams, or maybe not a lot of them, but there's, and we'll get it when we get into the songs, there's about four or five songs that are just kind of came from jams, and they were actually what you hear on the album. Some of them are first take jams. Yeah. And and he didn't have, there was no thought process of like, this is going to be a song. So he just uh, wrote lyrics on top of it. And you can tell they're kind of clunky. They're not just thought out songs like there are on Siamese Dream. But there, there's something dope about that. He's got these really structured songs and then these kind of loose jams where he just kind of does, what's the word? I'm the just subconscious flow. Avant-garde. Yeah, he, and he's just like the lyrics are kind of out there. They're not as structured as some of his other songs, but that's a good flow between this album. Yeah. Is you got those type of songs. Well, and, and this one, it does have it does have so many different moods, so many different, uh, you know, you have you have your kind of just, just standard rock tunes. Grunge song. Grunge, grungier songs. You have your little bit more electronic type songs. You have this intro that we came in, um, come in with, and it's just a, it's just a piano and strings so pretty intro going into the, go into that yeah um and, and you'll hear this mo- motif you'll hear this kind of pop up mm-hmm. everyone yeah. at the end of the album and then there's another song where it comes in at the end with yeah. a guitar so that that's the kind of the cohesive um and this is the first song is called melancholy infinite sadness that's yeah. what you've been listening to the whole time yeah. um great way to start the album love it uh actually let's quickly do the um the album cover. Yeah, it's got a. Uh, the woman, woman hanging in, in the star. She's clearly like in outer space, and it's kind of one of those Renaissance paintings. Yep, she's like kind of orgasming or like on ecstasy, and looking up, or just, or she's kind of like bored. Yeah, but it's uh, she's infinite. And it's um, they, it was the work of it's a collage um, done by John Craig. And it was. I guess the uh, the star, the part she's coming out of is from a whiskey ad. It's a stem of a cocktail drink. Okay. And then the face, the, the woman's face comes from, I'm probably going to totally fuck this up. It's called Gru's by John Baptiste. John uh, Baptiste. It was called The Souvenir. Um, and so they took the face from that. And then the body is by Raphael from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> uh, St. Catherine of Alexandria. So they put those together. Um, and then there's some kind of quote of like longing for an absent lover. Um, you know, it's got an erotic thing. She's kind of, kind of feeling herself a Looks little like bit, it. if you want to get a little. And that, yeah. and this album has like some sexual lust shit going on, which is what 14 to 24 exactly. is. is. Yeah. And you're, any woman, I, maybe we still did that. You fall in love with fucking, this girl's actually talking to me. Especially when you're that young and mm-hmm. the only woman has ever talked to you before was your mom. Yeah. And then now uh, you have these... These love interests, and yeah, so it's got that kind of, and I, I do like how it is that romantic period. I don't think I've seen any album cover like that. No, it's, it's where it's like taking old classic art and put it on. I think he wants to make it that. He, I think he's hoping. It's got a classic. Three hundred years from now. Yeah. It's got that. This is from the seventeen hundreds. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's got that classic feel to it. Yeah. Um, you wouldn't hear a piano intro like this, and. and 
is always at the time, but that's the the huge thing with this album is everyone, all the lesser bands mm-hmm. were trying to be Pumpkins, Nirvana, Pearl Jam. Yeah. On the radio, I know there's like and, punk and metal and all that shit. And but taking taking the the more the grungy side of, of the it. grungy side and just not that good. Maybe they'll have one good song, uh-huh. but they're all writing the same song over and over again. Yeah. And they just wanted to be like, this is what a real band does. We don't just keep... We could write Siamese Dream 2. Or we can just be the better band here and just wipe all you guys out. Come out of left field a little And bit. he looks at... I, I really like Corgan's way of looking at music. And some people don't. But he looks as like a sport, like a competition. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, he's been on Howard Stern in, t- in the 2000s. And he, he'll shit on the Foo Fighters and, and, and Pearl Jam. Not in like a... He's not saying they suck. He's just saying they, they never... We as much as you might not like us and we, we're not as big as them anymore but we tried to like push, push it, yeah. as much as we could and it hurt us mm-hmm. where some of these other bands still kind of keep this foundational sound no matter what you just know it's like they're not venturing out too much again you wouldn't well I mean Fubert is did the acoustic album program, whatever but no one went this far on that level side band in the 90s mm-hmm. even Tool they have their thing you know, no one goes glitzy and songwritery, and then like has harps in their songs like they well, do. Well, I think that's what I think that's what makes them a great band. And, and, and I'm not a I'm not a uh, diehard purist Smashing Pumpkins fan, but if I was, I'd probably be like, well, they didn't. Uh, you know, I, this is what I I, mean, I probably wouldn't say this, but you go, well, I, I signed up for the for the al- alternative grungy Smashing yeah. Pumpkins. I want to hear today. Harp. Yeah. And now I have flutes going on in the background and uh, whatever. Yeah. I mean, as a fan of music, I love I love the I love the piano intro. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, and even the songs that are grungy, I mean, Billy Corgan's melodies, he just he just continuously kills it. Yeah, and I think that's the big thing, the big shift. Well, I, he said Siamese Dream was when he realized he had a gift for melody yeah. that he wasn't paying attention to as much in the first album and and the the B side. Um, and also it's that back to cliche thing and uh, I said it just a little while earlier it was more just like let's write great songs instead of us being psychedelic or heavy or whatever we think we should be yeah. let's just try to flush it all out get everything out and, and maybe they blew their load and you know The Door is a great album but I think they really 28 songs is a lot to ask for 28 great songs Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, I guess we'll uh we could start getting into it. I don't know anything else you want to talk about. Um, I think we're good. We, we we covered it. So we start off with this intro. It's a beautiful piano thing, and then it'll go into it'll go into the second song tonight tonight, which is now we have music.
So they uh, start out with a minimal, very nothing song. Or no, wait, they came out huge. <laughs> they came out with, this is like a, I don't know, you want to go like running really fast and like to some victorious. Where are we going tonight? Yeah. Where something, some shit's going on tonight. <laughs> I mean, just the strings and it's just like a, it's almost like a John Williams style production here and, and the guitars at the end, at the beginning with the, the verse and they just, they're arpeggiated and, it's a slowly roller. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's going. We're going somewhere. And it's got the going, it's got the big three chords. The dun dun yeah. dun. I think it's CGA or whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, first you get the thirty-piece orchestra. You know, seventies bands, Beatles, those bands were doing that, but that kind of went away. I, there weren't a lot of bands doing big orchestral. The eighties and nineties. Yeah. No. It was kind of frowned upon, you know. Yeah. It was just like lush. Well, you want to go back to they, a lot of those going back to raw, going back to you know, yeah, the bare bones. And mm-hmm. here we have a produced ass song here. You know, it would probably be fine without the orchestra in the background. Yeah, the strings would probably be good. Like, the guitars do great. Yeah, it would have held up. Phenomenal here. Yeah, the weird shuffle drumming he's yeah. doing here. Yeah. That's the part that keeps you, like you say, you want to go run, or like, it's the drums. They're, they're kind of like, they're like nervous drums. It's almost like a, it would be like a good theme song. It's like a horse movie or something. Yeah, it, it, this would be a, a theme song to some really cheesy. Yeah, like, guy, like victoriously winning the race. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like believe tonight, in tonight. yourself. Yeah. So you got absolutely. the Chicago Symphony 30-piece orchestra. Um, Billy Corgan said it's the most exciting recording experience he ever had. Yeah, I mean, that. just you—you're you, in charge of a thirty-piece orchestra. Yeah, and for your song, um, he he also said it's an homage to Cheap Trick. Cheap Trick is like one of his favorite bands of all time. Yeah, I just Chicago. That's what it is. Chicago area. And no, no, like nothing against Cheap Trick. I just honestly don't know them. Yeah, I, I don't yeah, know why they pass under I, my radar. I feel like, yeah, I feel like people that like Cheap Trick, Cheap Trick love Cheap mm-hmm. Trick. Um, is that Rick Nielsen? Guitarist? Chichu? I think so. Yeah. Or even um, the yeah, guitarist from Aerosmith, that's his favorite band too. Yeah. Perry. Uh huh. Like Steve, a lot of bands, Steve if you Perry. love it, yeah. you fucking love it. I just. I think Daddy's Alright, Mama, like that song always turned me off a little bit, mm-hmm. so I never gave them the fair chance. Yeah, maybe we should go back and listen to some Cheap Trick. Maybe we'll be doing a podcast about them someday we'll, we'll see and apologize. We'll talk about how much we love. Cheap trick. Hey, I'll lie. I'll be like, when I was in high school, was all, I was grounded and I'll listen to his cheap trick. <laughs> Don't listen to any of our stories. They're all made up. Uh, <laughs> we have a we have like a pot of different stories and then Charlie will take my stories. I'll take his stories, but we need something to talk about. Well, what I didn't tell you is this album made me lose my religion. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chicago, you're right, though. Uh, City by the Lake is one of the lyrics in the song. Mm-hmm. He is a Chicago win. Yeah. Other great bands. Uh, Wilco. Wilco. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> no other good bands have come from Chicago. Hey, let's bring them up every time as yeah, well. Yeah. One of the uh, one of the most important cities as far as music music is concerned. Uh, I mean, the blues came from there. Yeah. I mean, did the band Chicago come from Chicago? I hope so. <laughs> I'd be pissed. Um, yeah, but this is a very build up and explode type song. It's it's like the the drums of the the wicker burning out burning out burning out burning out burning out and then 
It's overly dramatic. And I love it. No, it's... You've got to be overly dramatic sometimes. What's the song about? The indescribable moments of your life? Just living in the cliche moment? Tonight is all we have? Yeah, I think it's, that's exactly what it. it's that. It's that, uh... It, that's why this this song would definitely resonate with the with the uh, fourteen to twenty four year olds because it's it, it, it is so uh, even the way he's singing it it's, it's a very it's a very innocent yeah it's a very innocent uh, open hearted wide eyed child singing about you know uh, well he says wide eyed child in the song coming up in a little bit because it, it, I think that's the I think that's the yeah. you know well the concept here is is he's the First side is night, second half is day, or no. No, other way around. Right. Day, first half is day, second half is night. Yeah. And it, it, it is going through the story of, of, of growing it's, up, sort of. Yeah, it's weird know? that it's, this is the day album, but the song, first song is called Tonight. Tonight, yeah. Twice. Wait, Tonight, Tonight. And it's weird too, and I guess we didn't go into it, but on the vinyl, it's a triple album, and they restructured the the uh, order in that. And if you look at the structure of the vinyl, it makes a little more sense, the whole daytime, nighttime thing. Yeah. He says it's daytime, nighttime here, and we'll get into it, but there's some fucking dark songs on the on this first half. But anyways, I think he was just trying to get a flow where you're not just hearing mellow, 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 heavy. Yeah. Um, but this, I think he was saying the daytime is these are songs you can cruise in your car to kind of thing and feel a little inspired during the day. Uh, I mean, it's and also kind of not letting the past destroy you. Like, there's always tonight. There's always the next day. You know, you got all these moments of your life, but we can keep moving forward. Believe in me as I believe in you. The impossible is possible tonight. You know you're never sure, but you're sure you could be right. If you held yourself up to the light, if you gave embers your... never fade in your city by the lake, the place where you were born. I think it's just. I think it's just uh, believing in yourself. Yeah, and, and, and just child childhood innocence. Yeah, and, and, and open heartedness. And and, and believing yourself. That Corgan always said that, and I guess we've all had that when we were younger. Is that he just knew he was destined to do something big. Mm-hmm. I think we all have that in us, and then some people no. get bitter about it. Yeah, because they didn't. Whatever that means. But maybe your big thing was being a fucking good dad, or maybe your big thing was being a good friend, like instead of being famous rock star. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's kind of and it's just a believing in yourself kind of song. Was a huge single by by them. Great video too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there was there was a little like weird uh, thing here where they had an idea for a music video where they wanted to keep it. They wanted to make it so that it was like they were playing like a fake concert. Mm. Live, and uh, I guess uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers' airplane video came out just before they were gonna release it, and they said that the, that the airplane video for by Red Hot Chili Peppers was exactly what they wanted to do. Wow! So for this they, song, that's yeah, weird. And that they 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 were just like, okay, let's figure something else out now. Like that idea that I they, I think Billy Corgan has a quote was like almost exactly like it. Well, I'm but glad it that, I'm glad they switched it up. That just, the airplane makes sense for yeah. that. I can't imagine that, like I, girls yeah, dancing sure and shit. Doing, yeah, they were doing something like that. Maybe um, like older burlesque type of stuff. I can maybe see for yeah, this. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure exactly yeah. how they were gonna go do it, but uh, it, that's a little fun fact. Um, and the song was also originally um, 
It was in a, I guess it was, it was originally written in C, so it was a little more sour sounding or down. And Corgan also said I, I couldn't sing it, like my voice just couldn't hit that that note. So they changed it to a G major. Always the G, and yeah. G is happy. Uplifting. It must be, the G must be God's chord. G, God, bump, done. Figure that one out. Yeah, really. I just blew your mind. <laughs> um, so they, they switched up, and right when he heard, right when they went from C to G, he just heard that this is this is a big song for us. This is going to be a big one. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just not... If you listen to all their other albums, you did not expect this to be the first. Besides, a, okay, so they play a piano song, and you're like, okay, that's different from them. And then they come with this. After you're used to hearing Today and Cherub Rock, yeah. this isn't like that at all. I know they had Disarm, um, which is Mellow Song, yeah, but but not yeah, at all yeah. like this. This isn't, yeah, this isn't, uh, again, this is, this, this, is, this is really the first song. Obviously, we have in Mellow Colony, Sadness piano and turn calling into this, but then this one's just like, okay, cool. This yeah. is how you start a fucking rock record. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or a record in general. Yeah. A rock record, but uh Banger. Banger. Absolute banger. And, and it's funny that the arpeggio guitar is kind of like Blink one eighty two would write in four years later. With uh what's my age again? Yeah. Does kinda of sound same, like that. Kind of, same kind of rhythm. <laughs> And all it is is just, it's an arpeggio. Every string's open, but you're moving one string up an octave, but everything else is open. So it's just got that that slight movement, but it's still just that overall arpeggio yeah. floody sound. Floody. Just add a Y, folks. Add a Y. That's how, you, that's how you describe things. When you don't know a lot of words, you add Ys to words you know. Yeah. Banger, good job. Uh, good job, guys. You're obviously going for a grand statement here. You sold us with the first song. Let's go into, uh, I, I was going to say song number two. I got to make sure I get this right. This is three. Song number three. Jelly Belly, one of my favorites. I, I'm going to say that probably, remember, there's 28 songs, so I'll probably say favorites 10 times. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's all, this is, this is all, we're, we're doing part one. Yeah. Uh, as this episode, we'll do the first 14 today. And then the next week you'll hear you'll hear part two of the of the uh, part two of the record and episode part two. All right, let's hear a devastating song. This is where I'll tell you about the drums, where I think they're hilarious and just brutal. So that we had a lush song. Well, this is Pumpkins at their most devastating. Jelly Belly. Jelly Belly.
know, me saying uh, guitar, drums, and Billy Corgan's voice, this Here, is... Here's an assault. Assault on your goddamn ears. Yeah. And if, you were, if you were a Smash Pumpkins fan prior to this, and you were like, uh, crunch, I want, that's all I want to hear, you go, fuck, this is what exactly what I wanted to hear, dude. Yeah. Why'd you do all that Tonight Tonight bullshit? Yeah. Pretty and shit. I want rock and roll. I want distorted guitars. I want banging ass drums. And, and bass is fucking sick here, too. Yeah. Bass, I mean, this whole song is... Here we go. This is a rock band. Don't forget. Yeah. Don't forget we're a rock band. And this is where I like Billy Corgan's voice more than others. Yeah. Is the thing that works great with his voice. He's got two... He's got two... Styles. Two voicings. He's yeah. got this really sensitive whisper, which works well for his light songs. But the thing that's cool about a lot of bands that are really heavy is, and I'm, I know I'm just it's caught in the 90s, so Eddie Vedder and stuff is, they got the really low baritone, which is dope, and I love that. Yeah. And then you got the 80s guys that did like the high-end cheesy, like, oh, that kind of stuff. Yeah. He's right in between. There's something cool about his high-end nasally voice that cuts through the dense, dark, bassy sound of them and that adds, works so well and it adds a, a definitely adds a, a level of angstiness to yeah. the music which is exactly what's going which on which is you know? needed yeah he's not singing about how awesome the shit is all the time no or never know, really ever uh, but he's got sorry I went over to the next one here uh, he's got a his emotions in his voice. Yeah. And, and his voice fits the music. It's kind of like, uh, I think we said this for another band, but what's the Sex Pistols? Um, Johnny Rotten? He's got like a, like a, his own Johnny Rotten thing going sure, on. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It, it, it's, it's just like, that like, meh, I don't really care. <laughs> but it's not, it's not like, you know, and I'm not a fan of the Blink-182 way of singing. But it's, but it's not like that. Yeah. I don't know. I just, it works for me. And, Later on, I think the reason I don't like post Pumpkins is he started like putting out his voice out in the front more and not like affecting it. Mm-hmm. He when they when they have his voice just kind of caught back in the mix yeah. where it is here and he's trying to like scream through it through with his it's perfect. Yeah, it's where exactly where it should be. He shouldn't be the front. He shouldn't be the main voicing. Um, but yeah, I, this song it was a riff from '92 that he had for a while. We good. Yeah. Uh, that that face you gave is terrifying. No, no, I almost I almost did something bad. Um, terrifying. Don't delete it. <laughs> so the riff came from 1992. Billy Corgan wanted this to be the opening single of the album. I can totally see that. See that. Absolutely. And he even admits, "Bullet with Butterfly Wings" is obviously so much more catchier. This this is catchy, but in a it's only gonna hit a certain rock portion of people. Yeah. It's not global. It's not the biggest. There's like barely a chorus. Yeah. There, is there even a chorus? I don't think there even is a chorus. I think it's just verses, verses. We're nowhere. We're nowhere. Yeah. I mean, it's that's kind of catchy, but not despite that. I mean, yeah. we all get it. Yeah. But he he said this is like a culmination of where we were trying to get at as far as heavy. Mm-hmm. This was it. Like this is the this is the song. For the third album, this is what the heavy song of the third album should be. Yeah. Like, this should be the single. This is the culmination of where we've got to. Drumming-wise, bass playing. They do this little rise right here. The riffs just keep rising up. Um, and they said it, they started off a lot slower. It was more like a bluesy song, and then they just picked it up to this ridiculous Rushes. level. 
Jelly, jelly Belly. So the innocence and the happiness of uh, tonight, tonight is gone. Yep. We are. Uh, we're now at a, a this uh, despair. Despair song. Uh, Billy Corgan named the liner notes said, "This is a nihilist manifesto thrown like a pink hand grenade uh, into an alley." I. I just rode shotgun with the images until it sketched out nicely the gray in my suburban ears. <laughs> That's such a Billy Corgan thing to say. And his <laughs> one of his favorite lines that he ever wrote, Living makes me sick. So sick I'd wish I'd die. Yeah. I mean he's not he's not not letting you know how he feels. <laughs> yeah, and I guess another thing we didn't get into, uh, is he is on the verge of getting a divorce. In, in, our, in real life. In in real life yeah. at this time. No, not at this time, at the time of the album. Yeah. Um, he's not getting a divorce in the moment, but shit it obviously isn't going well in the relationship. Yeah. But he's also madly in love with the woman, blah, blah, blah. So you have that going on, too, while he's trying to write all the songs. And the pressure. People could say, boo-hoo, uh, your pressure is writing an album. Like, I have to fucking work nine to five and try to feed my kids. Yeah. But still. Songs don't just magically appear out of nowhere. You have to fucking think of the shit. And he knew that I had to come strong. So he's got the pressure of holding up, trying to write his greatest album that he can, and pretend that everything's okay at home when it's not. And you you hear a lot of that in the lyrics, too. Why is it called Jelly Belly? I don't know. Do you know, George? I don't. Um, Yeah, it's just kind of big... It is. It's. I don't know what else to say. Nihilistic manifesto. It's a great way to put it. I'm. Billy Corgan's really good at describing his songs. He, and and I am gonna. And I'm glad you got it too. There. He when the 2012 vinyl came out, the remastered vinyl. He wrote uh, liner notes for all the songs. And I do want to go through them because he does a good job. He doesn't really go into like. Sometimes it'll be so vague. Yeah. And they're, they're just kind of like little pieces. But they're nice. Pieces. He does a good job yeah. without getting. He's not like, well, this song is about you know when I went out one night. None of that shit. A couple sentences. You're like, yep, that's that's exactly what it's yeah. about. Yeah. And you I'd rather have it song. come from the man's yeah, mouth. Yeah, absolutely. So. so yeah, that manifesto. I don't know what else to say about it. <laughs> there's nothing left to do. There's nothing left to feel. Doesn't matter what you want. So make yourself feel better. You make it. You'll make it so you'll never know. Give in to your forevers and live for always and forever, forever. You're forever to be, forever, forever. You're forever to me. <laughs> it Life works for is me. Nothing because nothing is worth doing. So I, I think let's just give the proper outro to this song, yeah. which is when I think it's hilarious. Listen to this final. Um, it's at 150. Where are we at now? Two. I'll go back a little bit. Oh, I'm sorry. Maybe. Oh, this was the breakdown. I guess we were good. So let's just we'll stop playing it out from here. But the this is such a the, the intro comes in just brutal assault. But the final twenty seconds of this song, just the drums. I don't know what he's doing. I'm not a drummer. Yeah. So we'll go out. Uh, we'll go out for the exits of Jelly Belly, and we'll go into song number four. Yes.
party just like me. And that is when I lost my religion, George. <laughs> Intoxicated with the Especially in the 90s. I mean, I, I think I remember the amount of MySpace uh, quotes, <laughs> quotes that, that. What is that? Um, to make, make sure I get it right. You're going to say it? Empty list, emptiness is loneliness, and loneliness is cleanliness, and cleanliness is godliness. God is empty just like me. And, and uh, there were a lot of interviews where. And things we talked about before that, you know, Billy, do you feel that God is empty just like you? Yeah, that day. Not yeah. every day of my life. Yeah. And I think people, miss, you know, take that from a lot of artists is that they feel like this every day. And you, you hear tons of interviews even from Jimmy. He's like, dude, Billy Corgan's the hilarious, most hilarious guy I've ever hung out with. He's my best friend. We've, You know, he's not just fucking just... God is empty every day. He's, he's but like fucking this, like, a shoulder down, yeah. head down guy just writing poetry in yeah. a dark corner. Yeah, but at the same time, he's not afraid to get dark. And yeah, yeah. Fuck it, God is empty just like me. Yeah. So we go to that, and we, we come from that. Yeah. Did amazing exit. Do you guys all vote that that was a great end outro from Jelly Belly? Jelly Belly. Come Jelly on. Jelly Belly going into zero. If you're a drummer, you must just shit your pants when you hear that. And, and then we start this like octave. It's all octaves. This song should be called Octaves. Octaves. It's that riff is just, and you got, I think it's six rhythm guitars playing. That's a Corgan thing to do. Oh, there's there's one song coming on later on, yeah. 56 guitars, but yeah. we'll get there. Yeah. So six guitars, and then he said there's uh, two um, overdubs of uh, 12 string acoustics too. So it gives a little extra thickness to it, mm-hmm. and just a really great driving song. Yeah, it it it, it, uh, it, it kind of continues continues the continues where the, we yeah. This is comfortable. This is Siamese dreamish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not, it's not the the franticness of uh, of the one before. No, um, zero is kind of Billy Corgan's alter ego. Yeah. For being rock god, he's saying I'm a zero. I'm not anything. I'm not special. Uh, he's also highly criticized at this time. He's a very opinionated dude, yeah. and he still is. Nothing's changed. Nothing has changed. He's some people call that an asshole. You know, he's he's a, he's maybe the he's the Kanye West of uh, rock and roll in the '90s. He's the white Kanye. Um, Chicago. He loves talking about shit. And he's a smart dude, so yeah. he back it up. But he's also kind of making fun of himself, and at the same time, he did a great marketing ploy. Yeah. Everyone knows the zero shirt, black zero shirt. long long sleeve shirt with yeah. the star. Growing up, Looks- I, there was a skateboarding company called Zero, and they had Zero had uh, this. They had black was there was like black and white was their like uh, main colors and yeah. was a lot of skulls and shit. Yeah. Forever, I thought those were Zero yeah. skateboarding. Sure. And even the font of it is like very similar. Yeah. Surprised there was no, no. Maybe there was some kind of back deal, backroom deal. I, I don't know, but uh, forever I was like, oh, that's a zero shirt. And then when we, we actually was until we went to Smashing Pumpkins last year that I was like, I put the connection together. Like, oh, that was a Smashing Pumpkin shirt based off of the song Zero. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was, I just knew the skateboarding company. Gotcha. Yeah. Um. 
I mean, zero is a very nihilistic number too. There you go. Not one, not two, zero. But for the for the uh, Siamese Dream tour, he was wearing a Superman shirt a lot. So I was kind of like a. He, you know, he's, he is a very smart dude Very funny dude too Like you were saying yeah. And he, he knows exactly where he stands And he knows what other people think of him um, And it's all just a, He's just a button pusher He wants to get under people's skin I think Yeah. Um, and that's the vibe I get from Billy Corgan uh, I, have, I love Billy Corgan I, I want my musicians to talk I want my uh, you know artists to say things to have opinions. Yeah. Whether or not I agree with them, I, I I really don't care. Yeah. Because that's what artists, in my opinion, that's what artists are for. Yeah. I, it's not for them to shut up and play the songs. Come on, monkey. Fuck shut you. up and dance. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, say I, whatever you want. Yeah. That's Push. you. You earn the right to say whatever the fuck you want when you decide that you want to be an artist and you make music and that's what everybody knows you as. Yeah. Why should that be the only thing? I, I don't necessarily want to hear from an accountant about his politics. Yeah. A musician, a guy who, whatever. Well, sure. Well, people, okay. well, people will be I don't like, worship it. Yeah. Well, people will be like, you're just listening to a drug addict, which is partly true. But who gives a yeah, shit? Absolutely. Drug addicts need opinions too. Yeah. yeah. It, there's a song off um, the Good, the Bad, and the Queen, uh, Damon Albarn, mm-hmm. and he's like something to like leave the crackheads alone off the hill. They're a political party. Yeah. You know, everyone's <laughs> everyone's got their own fucking team, yeah, and, 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 and deservedly so. And yeah, if if you got yourself up on the mic and you're you know, art is expressing whatever's going on currently, um, the way they see it, and that's everyone. I guess nowadays everyone's got an opinion, um, but it, it's it's weird that a lot of people that do, you know, I'll see people on Facebook tell fucking artists just to stop with their opinions, yeah, and then they'll they'll bitch about. That- the PC world, but then it's like you're telling an artist to shut the fuck up. You're what being just so much of a cunt. cunt. Yeah. yeah. What, what what law did you like? Who who are we supposed to listen to? You're telling me that I can't listen to fucking generals and presidents, so I can't listen to artists. I can't listen to fucking people that write articles, so I guess I'll just listen to, to you. you. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like. I don't know. You and all that. your tremendous research. I, I I get it that we you shouldn't go to them as your primal source. But we all, if you're alive in 2016, it's a lot different than it was in 95. Uh, you have so many sources coming at you nowadays. Who knows what the fucking believe? Well, you don't want to. You don't want to take that just because someone's a celebrity and be like, okay, well, I'm gonna listen to everything this guy has to say. Yeah. Besides actors, fuck them, because they don't. They don't even. The, their own lines that they have weren't even written by them. <laughs> so. Um, Someone else wrote their opinions. Uh, I've always was a fan of uh, this. You know, that's got a lot of religion tones in the, in this song for sure. You know, it's got the godliness part that we just talked about. I, I've I've always been a fan of uh, save your prayers when we're really gonna need them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stop stop praying that you can get help with your homework or that uh, you know that your cat comes home. What about when you really need it? <laughs> yeah, when the shit gets dark. Yeah. Um, will prayers help you? You know, whatever I guess what the way any way you look at it uh, he's intoxicated with the madness he's in love with the sadness he, he brings up fakers and realness a lot he, he's he's got a dichotomy in himself he doesn't know if he's being real or fake who's the real who's the fake um, and I'll never let on that I was on a sinking ship I like that me too yeah I'll never let them know that I'm not sure about myself or that I feel like this is gonna fall apart any moment I'm gonna act like I'm in charge. Hey, and I think here he, he is kind of comfortable with himself in his depression, in in, in, in the sadness, or just more familiarity in, in in sadness. Yeah. 
And I look at Zero too as kind of like a blank slate and project your own new identity. Like mm-hmm. you got your your childhood, and then all of a sudden you can make yourself. People change their names. Billy Corgan didn't. I'm surprised out of anyone he didn't change his name into a rock star name. Actually, Billy Corgan's pretty good. It's a pretty good rock rock name. Because there's a Y on it, and I love names with Ys on it. William Patrick. If it was Corgan. Bill Bill Corgan, oof. Yeah, William Patrick Corgan. I think that's is what that officially. Goes. I think that's oh, what now his it is. Facebook Facebook yeah. Facebook name is. Yeah, he's going through a Snoop Dogg. Yeah. No. Yeah. Who's the other guy that keeps changing his name now? Puff Daddy. Puff Daddy. Yeah. But I mean, that's his official. He's just name. changing his name different versions. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of the big singles off the album, mm-hmm. um, and I just—it's the octave, octave riff that just sticks out to me the whole time too. Great solo here. Let's listen to this. This is one of those anti solos. And then just back to their tones, muscle, their tones of everything. The guitar tones. Octave. Octave, octave. To song number five, here is no why. Sad machines. Uh, quick, just one little back uh, backlog to God is empty, just like me, just to clarify that. Um, quick quote: It brought the God-fearing and hell-loving out to hound me for a few years in various backstage parking lots. So, just fans always asking about it, trying their best to convert me to a God and Savior I was already sold on. <laughs> Most seem disappointed that I didn't put up more of a tenacious fight beyond me saying that one lyric does not make a man, nor show the depths of what he believes in his heart. Boom. Yeah. 
Um, so then we move on to Here Is No Why. I always liked the name of it. Mm-hmm. Never like bothered to uh, to look it up. Um, but it was it was a quote from um, a nuclear bomb survivor on one of the anniversaries when they showed the vast wasteland is here is no why. Uh, here is where nothing exists that used to exist. Yeah. And then you could take that so many ways. Childhood. Everything. Everything. Going on an acid trip. Uh, just here is no why. Starts off with a really cool, those chunky chords and the little, the palm mutes. Um, it's and 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 it kind of goes. I, now that I know the um, kind of where the quote comes from, it's it's a song of a melancholy of being forgotten. That. You know the people in that town that got bombed. You'll never know who they are, and then you realize that there's that certain moment in your life that you realize you're in 1979. We'll deal with that later. Is that you'll eventually just be brought back to the earth and forgotten about. The world is and uh, again, what happened? Are we, are we recording still? No, no recording. No, the uh, the song going into the next one. Yeah. Oh. Sorry, my production. I I forget. All good. So yeah. So it's it's that that this song feels to me is that scared moment of you will eventually die and be forgotten. Mm-hmm. You think everything's so important and that something will carry on. So maybe you make a piece of art or song. You keep going. And but I I think also here what we have is I think in the liner notes that uh, that Corgan wrote in the, in the 2012 release of of the record. But he was talking kind of, he is the boy dying here, and it's like the rock guy, the rock. The rock god. The rock, yeah. Dude, you know, going away in your sad machines, you'll forever stay. Just uh, desperate and displeased with whoever you are, and you're a star. Uh, again, he's he's coming here with the, the, the snarky, tongue-in-cheek lyrics, you know. And uh, the music again, just dope. The tones that they have on the guitars are, they're, they're perfect. Yeah, um, Billy Howardell was their guitar tech. He's the guitarist from Perfect Circle, and he was also the guitar tech for Tool. Uh-huh. So there's this, and, and not, not that all those bands fit together, but they all have great guitar tones. You know, they're just guitar... Nerds. I don't know. Some yeah, you can tell. The, and and you read uh, articles about this album is they spent so much time switching guitars up, getting the perfect tone for each. And I know a lot of bands do that, but meticulous to a obsessive, weird, crazy point. Yeah, getting the perfect sound. Um, the this little riff here. It it reminds me of Wilco. The um, solid is it solitaire? The do 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 do. Is it that song or Born Alone? Just that little like up and down. It's a it's a quick little trick you can do, and it yeah, it's got a little emotion to it. Um, it's got a T Rex kind of sound. I can see that. The you not the lyrics is off, but yeah. just the the music. Um, this part right here, this build up of tons of guitars. And let's go into the solo.
Hell yeah. Another non-solo solo. Yeah. Not straight up. Blues, not... It's just... You know, it's kind of reminiscent. Like, Kurt Cobain would do that too. Just very noisy solos. Just yeah, a lot man. of, like, feedback. And and, and it almost sounded like James was playing a solo too. So yeah. they're, like, interweaving solos. They're, they're, it's almost... It's just like a breakdown or, a, like, a bridge solo. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But it's a solo. Yeah. And it, it he does a good job of his solos building up into the next big... His finale is he starts screaming. Usually going and, back to the chorus. And he sings, and if you're giving in, then you're giving up. I always yeah. like that line too, especially as a young and just giving up is just giving into whatever pressure that you feel. The man. Um, yeah, just stuck in desperation. Uh, not knowing one's potential. I get all that kind of feel. Uh, what's the first line of this song? Um, the useless drag of another day. And then he goes to the endless drags of a death rock boy. But the useless drag of another day, there's so many ways you can look at that. Um, it feels like everyone, and I think there was a comedian that I'm ripping this off of, but like, everyone's busy. And it's almost like a, like you're looked at as important, because like, I can't, I'm so busy, I'm so busy. I have so much going on. And you're not that busy. I mean, we are. Yeah. I, it's hard to even In meet up with world. friends yeah. sometimes. We're, I'm not saying that, but like, we look at it as like a... Oh, my life, it's just so hectic and busy. But it's like, you're, you're scared of the silence and the, the, the useless drag, the drag. The drag of another day. Yeah. 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 Because you don't want to think about the, the bigger, as we go back to the bigger picture of floating on a rock around a burning star and, you know, that kind of thing. So there's that. And it goes back to here is no wide nuclear disaster. It's just kind of not looking at the big picture. Um... And then, and then it's at the end of the day, it's really just about him being a talking about himself being a, a rock star that's stuck in this sad grunge era. And is that what I'm going to be known as? Just this sad man. The hidden diamond you cannot find, the secret star that cannot shine over to you. May the king of gloom be forever doomed. Like that. Wow. So James Eha and uh, Corgan guitar and over each other here, just great playing. I think it's them together. Um, yeah, that riff right there, it's great. Banger number fucking whatever. Just the, the, this front end is just devastating songs. Yeah. So I mean, tonight tonight was the outlier, and then they just came with three heavy songs, but they're not done yet. And this is kind of their daytime, even though these are the driving songs. Uh, the yeah, especially going to the next one, the, the bangers aren't over. Yep. And this is kind of that joke, like your mom knows this song. Yeah. Uh, song number six, "Bullet with Butterfly Wings."
Billed as a vampire, sent to drain. I think it's Howard Stern's uh, favorite lyric. Howard Stern, right? Yeah, he loves that. He's like, I see that, Billy. I see that. I can see that. That's me being Howard Stern. Somehow, sort of British, made him. Every, all my, yeah, I always go a little British. <laughs> Makes you sound a little smarter. Hello, I'm Abraham Lincoln, fourth score in 20 years ago. Um, <laughs> this might be, is this their biggest song besides 1979? Today. Today, too? Yeah. Yeah, these but, three. Yeah, yeah, I mean, this and is, this which is, one do you know better? That's, this is by far the grunge song of yeah. their whole everything. Yeah. This is as close as their Nirvana I mean, this part here, despite all the chorus, it even sounds like a human rat singing it. Yeah. You know, I can yeah, hear, like, Master Splinter. And you can just see his, like, you can see his nose up. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Just... his teeth showing. He looks like, uh, he just always, like, imagine, like, Master Splinter from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> oh, I forgot to say to all our hardcore fans that know what I look like because you don't know what I look like. Yeah. I shaved just to look like Billy Corgan. I, I, I have a bald head, and I shaved my beard off. Big round bald Just head. for this show. <laughs> Good thing it's not an audio or a video podcast. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I never heard of it. Thought of it as a rat actually singing it. Yeah, he 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 sounds and it's so like, fuck you and yeah. just. Yes, God, I'm and that's definitely how you feel young and then yeah. you, you feel like oh that's so teenager and then all of a sudden one day you're driving your car like I still feel like that. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Um, Someone will say what is lost can never be saved despite of my rage and still just a rat in a cage. Now, I'm not up on the uh, the Bible as I much, am. so uh, I never really got, um, even though I know I suppose I'll show all my cool and cold like old job. For job, a while, I thought job. it was, yeah, I thought it was job, yeah. like your old job, yeah. but it's Job from <laughs> job. the Bible. Do you know anything what that means? Or? Well, so the story of Job was that... <clears throat> He, God loved Job. Job was the, like the best dude. He um, just was super faithful to God and just had a great family. He was just a good dude. And uh, the devil, Satan, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm sure I'm going to fuck some of this up, but basically the devil was like, hey, I bet you that Job over here will fucking come on my side. I bet you a life or I bet you whatever fucking deities bet with you know yeah not US Lives. not US dollars um and God's like the pound right, the like, pound cool. yeah the pound mm -hmm. the GDP um the and God was like alright well I Job's like the most faithful dude of all time so like dude let's bet let's make this bet so he's like alright well God you have to like make sure you test like you have to test Job to make sure that he this is how we're gonna make the bet. So God basically gave him fucking like leprosy and uh, made all of his his family members die, and he gave, got him super sick and just fucked up. And Job never was like fucking God. Why? Like what's the like what's the deal? So it's basically God was punishing Job to win a bet. And I remember as a kid going to church just being like, so the point of the story is that how faithful like. Because I think it's like uh, if you turn your faith away, why would you do that? You knew that he was a good dude, and why would you push him to the brink for the story? That doesn't make sense. Why would like you fucked him up? Yeah, um, and it's just a matter. It was just so like the line here. So does it does it conform with the the line here? Um, 
and and though I know, I suppose I'll show all my cool and cold like Job. Um, he's saying, I think he's saying that he he's going through a bunch of shit like Job did, but still being crucified, cool, still being cool and cold. Yeah, crucified in, in in the fact that he was like a he was like a, a not a martyr, but a I guess a martyr in the in the, in the way would be like, oh look at look at the faith that my people have. Mm. Job's this thing, and I think what Billy Corgan's saying here is he you know he is the he the world is a vampire sense of the drain secret destroyers hold you up in flames he's being we're being bombarded with 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 uh uh turmoil and struggle and hardships and all that shit but we can Trying still keep it cool we stay cool and 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 and, and, fer- and fervent like job and it's, it's it's a reference and i remember just as a kid that story just being like god is kind of a dick dude you know? Aren't we all kind of dicks? Yeah, but he's God. <laughs> he's got a lot of issues, though. Man, I'm gonna get a lot of hate mail for this. Uh, yeah. the, the chorus is rigid. That was a great breakdown. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's good to have some religion not sp- yeah, I had no you need idea. A, uh, Bible quote. I for a you. while, I just thought it was a shitty job. job. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, the chorus came from Billy sitting aboard in a BBC session, uh, overly dry BBC session. And just kind of having fun writing the verse, and there's a demo of it, and it's just he wrote the song, which most songs do, just acoustic. It never was going to be this huge anthem song. It was just despite all my words, nice and pretty. Um, he goes on. Where do I want to start? I don't want to read the whole thing. I mean, it was almost like he he makes fun of like there was a cigar cigar chomping CEO being like, kid, this is going to be a hit. Just that cliche, like you got yourself a hit, even though he's kind of making fun of the whole music industry and, and fame. Uh, the song's true message, uh, Billy Corgan, is it? Uh, the song's true message has, I don't know, that's not fair, he doesn't talk like that. The song's true message has grown on me over the years as I find it to be a withering attack on the lameness of fame. Who could have known that the glory of fame would have been even more important and ever-present commodity in the 21st century than it was in the face of the last? Yeah, so everyone's just famous now for no reason. Yep, that's, that's even more true now than, than you know, even when Billy said it. Yeah. Um, and it's it became one of the biggest songs. Great video. And right here, let's get the wah guitars kicking and the outro. Let's just listen to it and go out. Song number seven, To Forgive.
is the I think the the, the shift in the album is that the first because it, it's that's song number seven, right? So now we're halfway yes. through mm-hmm. the first album, the first side. Um, so the if there's anything that's reminiscent of past Pumpkins, it's that first half of the album. Yeah. Mostly heavy. Even tonight, tonight's heavy in a heavy way. Yeah. Um, those big catchy choruses. This is where they get quote experimental um, and really start slowing down, open it up, and just go into different territories that maybe they haven't before. To forgive, um, right here, just the organ on the chorus, nice. The drums, nothing special but dope. Just and kind of not. Uh, Jimmy Chamberlain's such like a driving force. This is him actually like he's not leading the song at all. He's just he's almost like behind on the beat. Yeah. You know that country he's a style. A little bit behind. Just but it's so nice. Yeah. And Corgan's kind of pushing it with his lyrics, and everyone's kind of chasing after him just a little bit. Um. It, it's you know a pretty sad song. It's. It's uh, about you know abuse and neglect in childhood, um, and I'm, like I think they even talked about it on Howard Stern, but Corgan was one of those kids that was his parents divorced, but then he wasn't even, he was brought up by his grandmother, and even though his parents lived like a mile away, they didn't take they weren't around, that kind of thing, um, and then his stepmom took care of him after that, so he's got this weird relationship, you know that that abandonment. Um, kind of story that we hear from a lot of artists. Yeah, in, in, it definitely uh, draws some comparison to the wall here. Yeah, the only childhood man isolation kind of thing. I mean the bastard I son. Said, of well, yeah. So that 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 part, the bastard yeah. son of a bastard son. That's a great. <laughs> I love that. So it's just that continuation. Like the same shit keeps happening because it's hard to break that. Chain. That chain. Yeah. You get you get abused. You get sexually abused. You get neglected. You do it to the next person. Yeah. Why? Why? That's in our human condition. Well, it's just the only reality you know. So that's you just kind of do that to the next person, your next kin, next of kin. Um, and then George early said something about you know him being a wild out child. He literally says it. I'm wild out child of the sun. Very kind of psychedelic way of looking at it. Um, the the second verse I sense my loss before I even learned to talk and I remember my birthdays empty party afternoons <laughs> won't come back yeah I think uh, I mean in in, in the, the kind of with the contrast of uh, of the second one uh, tonight tonight this is kind of the this is kind of the yin to the yang a little bit uh, where it's 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 the child it's like almost the same kid with the the mercurialness of a second child. Second time you use that word. Alex. This is the second time, right? That's a good one. Um, where you, where, like, like a child, just you'd be like, "Oh, I'm great, I'm great," and then all of a sudden the kid's pissed off. What, what the fuck did you do? What, yeah. what happened between here and there that now you're upset? And I think that it's just the shifting moods. Yeah, the the, the, the tides changing in the in the same person. The moods shifting. Uh, to forgive, who's he forgiving? What isn't he? Who isn't he? Who would you, isn't he for Would you like a little answer from Mr. Corgan himself Tell me. looking back? Tell me. The charitable, charitable act of forgiveness is made scarce mention of, but that in itself really stands as a lie, as there is nothing and no one to be forgiven in the solemn halls of this song. 
It is more of a song of condemnation, the greatest of which is reserved for the hand that writes it, who despite knowing better will carry the same destructive patterns he has learned in his youth into an un unnatural adult life. This is the kind of effort only one needs to make but once, and once is more than enough. He, Billy Corgan speaks in allegory, and he just speaks in like... Yeah. It, it, it's not just to it's not just the dude being like yeah so um well what it really is is the story of that's like scarce mention of <laughs> just yeah. the words that he's yeah, using it pisses here. me off yeah. as, as a person that wants to so like, eloquent to explain a song like that yeah. i couldn't do that yeah i give some people look at this again pretentious being like sure. oh what's he rambling on sure. about him yeah. i i like it yeah i'm, I'm okay with people I, I, I have a, a deep respect for people who sound sure of themselves, whether or not they are, whether or not, I, even if I know they're bullshitting, yeah. there's something about confidence in words uh, that just gets everybody, like a, a wool goes over your eyes, you're just like, yeah, whatever you just said, man, that's right. That, that's <laughs> right, man. Like, I I, um, I totally agree with the, the confident aspect of it. There's, um, at, that, at this time... There's, uh, you know, the band Pavement. Yeah. And they have a song where they kind of call out Range Pumpkins Life. and they call out STP. And yeah. I think we talked about we'll it before. Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, and, and, and I, I just, actually really like that song. And Yeah, and I like Pavement, but I think Billy Corgan came back and I don't have a quote or anything, but he was just like, that's cool. They can say what they want, but you're never going to fall in love to a Pavement song. You're never going to, like, have the big life moment. They're, they're too afraid to succeed. They're too afraid to really push it. They're always kind of... So they're sure of themselves, but they don't want to act overly emote. Yeah. They just want to be a little more, and that's fine. That's their style. But he, his thing was, that's fine. You can come at me and say that I'm being overly sensitive. Sensitive, but this is what I feel. And like, how dare you attack me? You hide behind your little, your obtuse lyrics, and yeah. they're kind of funny and stupid. But you're not really saying anything. No one, no one's gonna put your song on at a wedding. No one's gonna put your song on at a funeral well yeah for the, me people are gonna live my and that's such a pretentious thing to even go there but yeah. he's like fuck you yeah the 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 pavement I, mean, I, I love pavement but steve malcolmus definitely has a um it's definitely has the defense mechanism of comedy the the line in it there's a pavement song called range life Goes out on tour with the Smashing Pumpkins, Nature Kids. Ah, they don't have no function. I don't understand what they mean, and I can really give a fuck. The Stone Temple Pilots, they're elegant bachelors. They're foxy to me. Are they foxy to you? It's like, yeah. he's just like, it's the thing. Uh, out on tour with the Smashing Pumpkins, Nature Kids. I don't, they don't have no function. I don't understand what they mean, and I can really give a fuck. It's just, I think, uh, and yeah, he definitely had a response to that. I was just like, all right, dude, whatever, well, Steve. And and that you actually spent your time to mention bands in your songs. Yeah, it's, it's obviously it's troubling funny. you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I also think it, it is like, you know, he's, if he's naming pe the Pumpkins and, and, and STP there, that is a nice, like, uh, I don't know. That, that that song's great, actually. That Actually, that whole record, Pavement Record's really good. Yeah. Um, check that out. I just pavement to me is they're good, but they never really yeah. have anything special for me. But I get it; some people like them. Gotta pay your dues before you pay the rent. But yeah, just you know, again, like that song you wouldn't put on. Like oh, he's just talking about other bands. So, mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. No, I get it, and I think at this time, like there was a lot of, you know, there's a lot of uh, ground to be won, or there's a lot of. Uh, 
bands coming out of the right around the same time of, of this record that were Pavement, as, you know, the bands that we've named earlier, even Chili Peppers or, um, yeah, who's early 90s rock, rock guys, you know, just back, these, back yeah, sure, uh, Janes, and just these guys that, like, kind of, everybody's kind of making the same-ish music, not, not, you know, not everybody's making, um, you know, it's not like, uh, Creed or like these bands doing Nirvana or Alice in Chains stuff, but everybody's kind of doing their own thing, and I think, uh, I think the, I think the rawness and emotional detachment. Well, no, the, the sure, yeah, but the, the emotional honesty, the open oh, okay. openness of the of the Smashing Pumpkins yeah. turned these people who were emotionally detached away from the Pumpkins. It's like, sure. oh, there's fucking fags with their fucking emotions and yeah. stuff, you yeah, know, yeah. dude. It's just like. I, I get I get why people would do that, but you know that's not necessarily how I would. You know. Yeah, again, it's always that equal and opposite reaction. You're gonna have that. You're gonna have that split. There has to be that. There's always gonna be people that attack the big thing, whatever it is at yeah. that time. Yeah. And then you got Coldplay that's overly sensitive, yeah. and then fuck. That. I mean, even even Nirvana themselves. Like, the reason they got so popular is because it was like, or even we, we mentioned it in our Radiohead episode with Creep, where it's like these rock. It, we, we're coming out of the 80s where everything's so grandiose and everything's girls, girls, girls. And for the a lot pop of things rock, are, for sure. the radio rock. Yeah, where things are just so big and open and then we come into the early 90s. Oh. And people are a lot more... Um, uh, Those songs just aren't resonating to the soul. Sure. Yeah, and I think I think the change of, of, of emotion in music in the early 90s with this stuff like Pumpkins and... You name it, yeah, it's good. That's what you want music, or you know, not everything's gonna be needs. Not everything should be just good time, like Charlie. Mindless good time, Charlie. Exactly. Yeah. Um, good time, Charlie. Good time, Charlie. Bad time, George. That's that's the name of our podcast. Yeah, I mean, that's our second podcast that we have. Um, yeah, so we, I mean, we can. Yeah, we just went on a tangent there. Sorry. To forgive. Which yeah, I'm sorry. Favorite. Sorry to uh, Pavement too. I do really love Pavement, yeah. and I, I actually, I, Steve you Malcolm, that, Steve? We'll, we'll, we can his solo albums are fucking dope, yeah. and he's Jinx. a great guy. Yeah. I just to call out someone on, uh, you know, it's hilarious. Yeah. But it, just it, in the same way that, that it just makes me feel like it is on your brain a lot, and yeah. you have to write about it. Yeah. It bothers you that much yeah. that they're getting to you. I, I, I mean, I think uh, I think uh, Steve Malcolmus and Billy Corgan, and even even are on the God, same boat. God, they're uh, they're made from the same cloth. Yeah, you know, they're cut from the same cloth. I think you just have the same dudes built. Uh, you know, they're the same dudes, and I think that. You, you can I can I can see Corrigan writing a song like Payment really sucks you know just not necessarily not straight up like that I didn't there. thought of it I thought on top of my time. head sure but I, I could see Corrigan definitely doing that too yeah you know what I mean they're both uh, they're both uh, you know artists 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 without an R artists starving all right, so bleeding hearts and artists. We forgive everyone. I forgive myself, George. I believe, I forgive you, dude. But wait, so what about yourself? You no, I, I no. never forgive myself. Because you left some, religion, you. I've done asshole. some shit, dude. I've done some shit. God damn, this America is going through my pee pee. <laughs> is it? <laughs> yeah, let's go to the next song. Charlie's got a pee. Fuck you. And no to no one. To this no song one. goes to Steve Malcolm, I think. That's what I read. Just kidding. Fuck you. <laughs> song number eight. Thank <laughs> you. 
Hey, yeah, George. Hey, George. Hey, George. Hey, fuck you. No, no, fuck you. Love you. Fuck you. Fuck you again. And that's that song. Uh, fuck you. Next song. No, it's good. Yeah. That was pretty easy. Alright, All right, so, uh... As I mentioned in the uh, preamble, if you will, I just want to throw that. I'm trying to get as many words. Preamble. Preamble. I never thought I'd use preamble. I don't yeah. think I've used it in like the past four years. The people, Besides, the when I mentioned everyone, the fucking Constitution. Ever, Is that on the Constitution? Ever heard of it? It's the preamble to the Constitution. That's why it's called the preamble. Yeah, so. <laughs> so whenever I tell people that just don't understand America, I yeah. throw a preamble. We're drinking America. This podcast is brought to you by America again. Cheers, George. Hold on. Everyone, tape. listen closely. Ah, oh, shit. I didn't hear didn't that. Click it. No, no. We just, we clicked. Taste the freedom. Fuck you. You know it to no one. <laughs> so I think this is um, in my preamble, my beautiful speech that I gave an hour and 40 minutes ago. Yeah. Uh, this is one of those jam songs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um... And you can tell, like, you can tell. But I just feel like it wasn't, he didn't come and go, hey, guys, I have a song and I have lyrics ready. It was just like, here's a riff. Da, 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 da. It's very, like, kind of simple. Yeah. But it's 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 a nice change from their very structured beginning. This is a loose song. How long is it? It is. Because their jams are really long in this song. Some of these long. Yeah, this is a long one. Yeah. And, I, and if there's any criticism on this album, it's some people are saying you should. Everyone says this close this out yeah. and he, he agreed he's like totally I could have done that yeah. but I wanted these stretched out jams this is them live this is he wanted to make sure that and I think that's what Flood and Alan Mulder wanted to get to is the live aspect yeah. of them. they're we fucking great that. live yeah, band that, that's what they wanted to like that's how do you guys sound live let's do that yeah they do jam out yeah this song's almost five minutes long so that I think there's four songs let's say this is number one of the jam songs I'm gonna call them yeah not not Grateful Dead jam just heavy Black Sabbath jam yeah and then he throws off, not, and not not that the lyrics are throwaway, but they're almost going back to pavement. They're not as they're just kind of. Was this? Maybe it's not this one. Um, yeah, these lyrics are, are weird too. They really they're out there. To run around kids in in get go cars with Vaseline afterbirths and neon coughs. Galaxies full of nobody. I love galaxies full yeah. of nobody. Yeah. Given us the farewell runarounds, like um, I took a Virgin Mary axe to his sweet baby Jane, lost my innocence to a no good girl, scratch my face with anvil hands, and coil my tongue around a bumblebee mouth. The second time he brings up bumblebee mouth, something about bumblebee. No, it might have been this one. I'm just thinking. I yeah. thought he's mentioned bumblebees before. Uh, it's it's not. Yeah, I mean the the music is is. The, the main focus yeah. of the song is yeah. that it's yeah. not this he's already had some kind of message songs whatever this is more just a, a, a rocker it's, and it's definitely a stream of consciousness and and he even mentions yeah it's stream of consciousness bouncing around in his head um, he, he, he kind of goes into like the more we traveled the heavier we got and the heavier we got the bigger the audience grew until it was a monster tipping over into the once safe places where chaos wasn't something you just went into the city and did only later to forget all about it in the safety of your room. Like the circus coming to town, we brought with us all the shadow elephants into the room, asking they dance n- nice nightly for the amusement of all. So it's it's there just... There goes again with this. I know. I'd just be like, yo, it was heavy, and like, bands, like, kids liked it, and yeah. it was cool, and like, I'm just a really, moron. We got really popular, and like, it was just like... But uh, he just, he noticed that the... 
how the heavy songs would transform these fucking sun sensitive dudes and kids and yeah. whatever into these animals. Yeah. And it would become this really psychedelic experience of just morphing and people losing their shit and then bring it down to a nice pretty song and then getting all weird and heavy. Yeah. And that, they could throw down with the best of them. Yeah, and I think that's the, the, the cool thing about heavy music is like a lot of the people who really are it and, and this song's a fucking this song's heavy dude. This yeah. isn't like you know this isn't uh this isn't like an acoustic nice song and but what's funny with seeing these like heavy metal guys they're always the nicest guys like sweeties yeah. because the music uh, well they get their anger out sure yeah sure some of the uh, some of the assholes of rock are the sensitive dudes that they're never letting that aspect out of it you yeah. know and yeah. you, get, you get that out on you every night you're a fucking sweetie pie uh, and so besides uh, him going all Billy Corgan, as we're getting used to with his fancy footwork, talk jabby jubes, uh, <laughs> there's another quote. The basic thing is just fuck everybody. It's that feeling where no one understands. Who the fuck are my friends? Fuck you. Fuck everybody. Fuck everything. It's just that thought. Pure frustration. That's probably what I, what I, I would have said. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, a little like that. Just a bunch of fuck yous, dude. Yeah, fuck you to the industry. We call the song fuck you, but not to anybody particularly. Just, you know, everybody really. Sometimes, you're, yeah, your friends, fuck you guys. Yeah, sorry guy, fuck you. Yeah. And sometimes you just need to disconnect. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of it's just the, the whole lyrics that you went through. I don't really know. It just there's some great lines. Again, Galaxy's full of nobodies, and he'll bring up nobodies. There's a song called Nobodies later on that kind of goes back to that, so maybe it's a little reference. Mm -hmm. um, and just a good, nice jam rocker in the middle of the uh, of the album. Yeah. And then it slows down to this weird. I mean, this is the lyrics that you were saying earlier. Is this 340? Uh, 245. Go to 340, and then we'll. I think that's the end of this. Is this 340? 230. Okay. Um, I think this is outro. Let's just listen to this and go into the next.
right, so does it sound like love? Yeah. It's uh love disguised and distorted behind distortion and phase. Yeah. Um the first thing you notice is just that phase that it's like you're getting sucked in and sucked out. Yeah. Very well like <clears throat> phase is if anyone knows phase like it's just the in and out, sucking in and out, and they just they found the perfect rate where it's coming in, coming out, so it feels like you're getting sucked in, sucked out. This is if you have headphones on and you're very high on marijuana. Yeah. Other than that, you have no idea what's going on. Yeah, this might be the first podcast where I haven't been stoned on marijuana. Oh, and you're finally fucking making sense. <laughs> I'm kidding. I, 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 I don't I don't smoke marijuana. Uh, uh, we did take acid, though. Yeah, we did do... Remember, we, kids, take we LSD. Free day. LSD. Uh, just a microdose. You don't even have to take a whole lot. Just a microdose. Yeah, every I heard day. scientists are doing that notice. Yeah, ever heard of it? Uh, L-O-V-E, love. Um, the, I, I won't say the direct quote yet, but Billy Corgan did say, just start off as a straight-up blues song. And if you are a musician, if the chord progression is just a straight-up blues song, and they turned it into whatever the fuck I, this is. This, the, this, this just shows, like, the, the artistic... Uh, like their palette is so big yeah. that they can the brushes that they can paint with or the, the sorry the paints that they can paint with or even the brushes the brushes are different the paints are different they have some their, again yeah. their palette is so big yeah and what the fuck is going on here yeah and it's not and it's not just sounds and then blah, blah, blah. it's I mean a little bit it is but it, it, it all flows well this it is goes. like this is like the introduction first introduction of electronic yeah but right here and the intro going into it yeah. Little electronic pulses coming in, um, and and like the way he sings that. Uh, to my mistakes, that's like a blues song, you yeah. know. You were just like a black guy was singing that. Yeah, a black it's guy. a Billy Corgan, uh, Billy Corgan. But that's a, that's a very blues thing to do. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm actually I got a pretty good Billy. That Corgan. was not bad. That, that almost sounded like a little bit like. Uh, to my mistakes. Like almost Andre 2000 too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> me, me, let me here. But I, I just, just on a metaphorical way, it's, it's love is great. Um, it's who you know, but it's also he. It's so in this like, con, it, it sounds like what love is so confusing and distorted Kinda and chaotic. Chaotic. Yeah. But what you keep striving for. Yeah. And then he kind of says mockingly at the end, love solves everything. Love. But love. But love. Yeah. No, love solves, yeah, I mean, that's just. Love solves everything but I, love. I, I don't want to use the word genius, but the rate that love solves everything but love. Yeah. Boom. Fuck you. No, and it's B-U-T-T-L-O-V-E. But love. Oh, George. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the sheer disappointment in Charlie's face right there when I said that joke. It's just like, I don't want to host a podcast with you. Uh, so talking about both oppressive and escapable love. Uh, uh, yeah. The unrelenting God that won't let go. I wrote that. I don't know why you, I wrote that. The unrelenting God that won't let go. Until you are spent and hollowed out. That's did, funny. Did I get that from somewhere? I, might have, I, I, I didn't write that. Where did that come from? How dare I? Uh, kind of staying with someone out of fear. You know a lot of people like that. Mm-hmm. You were even talking about a unformentioned character in your life that you know that's with someone that doesn't seem to be. Yeah. You you get a vibe that mm, this isn't happy, Bill. Yeah, we were talking about that last night. And just like uh, just the need to be with someone, uh, whether or not you love them or not, but because you need that you need that someone, and it doesn't even need. 
necessarily be, need to be that person, but you're just so well, codependent. What's the word? Well, I'm, yeah, we're not characters that are meant to be alone. Being alone is so horrible for us. Yeah. Uh, on long, you know, that's why we do solitary confinement. Um, but a lot of people get scared and dependent on someone um, and don't know. And it's the whole go back to my days are so busy. Well, it's like mm. I have to be with this person. And, and I want to be with my girl all the time. But not I, if I'm not, I don't know. I don't know not how to, to cope form, without her. Cope. Yeah. 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 And, and it's just a it's not a it's not a healthy way to live life. Yeah. And I think uh, I mean, I think it's easier to. It's like almost codependent relationships or codependent. I mean, rela- codependent relationships can be with anything. It doesn't have to necessarily be romantic one on one. Drinking know? America beer. Exactly. Every show. Yeah. That's. Uh, we Slip- love America. That's slippery all. Slippery slope. That's all. That's all that I'm trying to talk about. Sorry, did I cut you off? No. No. Um, and it, but the song is excessive distortion. The drums, right, you know, it goes. It's love. Mm-hmm. Even the drums are distorted, which is dope. Yeah. Um, the guitars are overly distorted. Everything sounds like it's crunchy, like a video game. Ape it. It's a vortex into this dark world. Are we about to get into 240? Creeping. Let's, um, I call them saw solos. Saw, like, saws. Uh-huh. Uh, it's not that, not a great, let's just listen to it. Saw solos, saw solos. Yeah, well, a saw. Um, there's a, distorted. There's a there's a key setting on my keyboard. It's called a buzz saw. There it's very similar to this. It's yeah. a phase saw. Yeah. yeah. And it almost hurts your ears. Yeah. It's really weird. high end. Yeah. It's Which crunchy. level do too? Level of ears. And there's the electronic pulses. I really dig this song. Yeah. Uh, does Billy have anything great to say about this? Oh, okay, that unrelenting God, that was Billy. How dare I? Did I write that? <laughs> of course Billy wrote that, not me. Uh, yeah, he wrote the Unrelenting God that won't let go until you are spent and hauled out. O-U-T. Um, straight up, the song rocked, but by smearing the voice and cyber-flixing the drums, it takes on a mocking tone that distracts from the very real fear hidden in it. Vagina dentante. Yeah. That powerful vagina, folks. It fucks a lot of men up. Yeah. Let's go on. Cause love solves everything but love. B-U-T-T. Ha 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 We'll stay in the love category. Yeah, do you want to go weird? Let's go yeah. weird. This yeah. is unlike anything they've done. The next one, uh, song number 10, Cupid. Deluxe. Deluxe. I'm in a fairyland.
There ever was a Smashing Pumpkins ring t- ringtone? Yeah. It sounds like my alarm when I'm waking up. Yeah. I think I think Smashing Pumpkins should sue that ring that alarm waking up. It sounds like that. I think they need the money. They only sold this song. This album only sold 10 million. Uh, something like that. 12 million. One it's of like the best-selling uh, double albums of all time. Besides yeah, White Album. No, for sure. Yeah. Um. Here we go. Keep it to luck. What the fuck? This is what I like about them. I, and I get some people might not like the song at all. But you got harps. Yeah. And like that repeating guitar. A little bend. And then this flush. Oh, that sounds great. Sounds great in the headphones. Yeah. It goes from one ear to the next. Mm, just tickled my, my brain cells. Uh, keep it to luck. It's... It's a reference to Matthew Locke, an English composer during the 17th century who wrote a score uh, entitled Cupid and Death. And it's a story of Cupid and Death getting their own arrows mixed up. Cupid could shoot love and Death could shoot uh, your demise, eventually dying. And then they get mixed up and people are dying and falling in love. It's, it's kind of like a funny play. Yeah, it's almost like a... Uh... Like, this is almost like a story kind of guy, a story story, like, yeah. a, like a fable almost in a song. Yeah. And, and he, is this the song where he, uh, yeah, he, may, may do as the devil may care. He, he uses, uh, it's very like Shakespearean, he uses Delph, uh, Ye Lovers, mm-hmm. Star-crossed um, Lovers, Star-crossed Lovers, um, it's very unlike all their other songs before, and it's, you know, forever lost and forsaken, misses and Satan's pull, we seek the unseekable. He, he does this little outro speech, spoken word. What yeah. he says is, in a humble nod to Elvis, I don't know, I, I don't know why, um, but... Uh, you know, and and this is kind of the other. We we just did a song love about love. This is another song about love. So yeah. We're doing back to back love. Um, they they have aerosol cans, and they hear that. That's that's tasers. Yeah. So they're using they're being Beatles, using shit for sounds. Pet sounds. Beach Boys. Yeah. And this that organ, that weird sad organ in the back, like just tons of shit going on, and then disappeared. What was that? That's the scissors. That was? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Wow. And they use aerosol cans, too. Um, not a note, this is a quote from Billy Corgan, not a note is played by a human, as it were, each part being fed through a phalanx of mystery boxes, which when twisted and turned just right, spit back out a different set of warbles than the funny marbles we put in. So nothing, there's no real harp. This is all just electronic. Yeah. Um a very out there song but it comes in in a second is that organ again you hear that in the back yeah what was that I don't know that's cool and then the harp the harp sounds so good perfect that one that one went back and forth yeah 
And then he does like, you know, he does the spoken word, but in the background he's like, he does like a serenade. And then he does it over and over, and then more voices come in. I mean, say what you want, it's very experimental, yes. and it's, I, I, I dig it. It's really out there. How he decided to go here. Weird. Good on you, Billy. Yeah, this big outro. Just angels, almost yeah. like choir, and he's talking. Yeah, it's like, what did he say? He even said it's, uh, you know, to counterbalance our many dark excursions into the void, I sought some refuge by writing whimsically as well. It's <laughs> finding solace in twirling parasols and the extent lingering passions of the bell epoch. Yeah. Again, Billy There you go, Billy. <laughs> Did but it again. He, just to, to counterbalance that kind of heavy beginning of the album, mm -hmm. he's gone into some... We're getting into some weird territory. This yeah. is where you might lose some fans of the Smashing Pumpkins brand yeah, of we're, today. We're, we're, go, we're kind of slowly wrapping up the, the first half. Uh, the first half of the record here. You know, We're on the, we're on the home stretch of the first side. All right, so it is getting a little... It's getting a little bit more, more exper experimental. Very experimental. Yeah, um, uh, yeah I, I'm, I'm good with that. Satan's pull. Watch out for it, folks. So a, a little back-to-back -back love, love songs, um, and just a sweet song. Should we go yeah. into number? The next one, number eleven, Galapagos. Uh, Galapagos. like today is today and his whisper um, he's got yeah. that he's he's got a great voice for that like some people do it to me and it sounds just so cheesy yeah. but he's got that works I, I guess yeah for me it just i don't feel like i'm ever being um played or lied to or 
forced than anything with Billy Corgan. I feel yeah. even if he's singing overly dramatic, I'm buying it. Yeah, he's good at selling his his product. Mm -hmm. I, 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 again, I think there's just there's something real. This is, and I'm gonna read a great quote from him. But do you get the feeling? Obviously, this is to uh, marriage dissolving, and it, I mean he yeah. pretty much will say that on the quote I'll get to. But pretty, uh, you know, just a brutal song about we we just had two songs about love, and now we're talking about love dissolving um as far as the music the arpeggio guitar and the, like the, the jimmy chamberlain flourishes yeah. is that the word flourish i think it's uh not splash it's splashes a, and it's well washes washes Wash. that's a great yeah. and this this little breakdown like just things like that i love like where did that come from and then right back into the song mm -hmm. and then Ne but never well, actually they do pick it up and then he goes on a kind of a big rant here yeah um, Galapagos for people that don't read or maybe just read the Bible uh, they were the the finches that um, Charles Darwin was studying where he came up with his theory of evolution Galapagos finches. very cool that I never put that two and two together until we did the studying obviously I like learning every day Galapagos it's about changing learning to adapt to new situations yeah um this is you know finches were changed and adapted to fit their environment this is changing not for well not for you have to change no matter what even if it's something terrible or you'll die out um knowing that marriage or a relationship is it's, it's coming to an end trying to adapt to that new way of life should you fall from grace? Uh, you know, you're going to leave me too. And then he's, it's, it's kind of going back to that wall type of thing where I, now you're going to abandon me, just like my dad, my mom, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Um, and devastating when you, and we say this, and we'll probably say this, we, we can't help this is universal kind of messages, but a person that you chose that you thought was right, you know, your mom and dad, you don't choose, this is the person you did, and you're like, damn it, this doesn't work out. Yeah, and it's kind of the, you know, like we were talking about this last night, and just the person you give everything to. In in the in in sort of like what a child does to a, a mother and father, and just kind of like complete uh, resignation, or, or openness, yeah. or or yeah, I guess resignation, and then like you are the one, you are everything for me, and then it ending. It's rough. Yeah, it's rough. And and this is a little, you know, it's it's a little long, but we only do these podcasts once, and this is from the man himself, so it's not too bad. But he he says it very well. I cannot recall what it was about Darwin's fabled set of islands that led me to associate my crumbling marriage to them. Perhaps I was wondering, in the lure of a total and disconnected isolation, we might be better survive the onslaught of life's ceaseless progress. Idealizing a failed romance can only get you so far. And once engaged, I found that somewhere between my idealism and natural compassion for an identified other, there lived a truth I was not yet willing to swallow about myself. Cue up my admitting here that one of us was about to be abandoned, never realizing that the uh, desertion would flow through both ways. Galapagos stands up over time as a remnant of grace that I lost as I wrote it. There you go. It's better than what I had to say about it. 
queue up my admitting here that one of us was about to be abandoned, never realizing that the desertion would flow both ways. That's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, and that's such a great way to look about it. Is that it's it's always that the person that did the breaking out is that they're like, I wanted to move on, and now I feel good about it. But obviously, mm -hmm. it's devastating for them too. Both sides usually. And 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 a lot of times in our lives and in all my friends lives that I've heard about the the, the one who did the deserting a lot of regrets wanting to yeah. oh, I'm, I was in a weird I've, space I'm I've sorry I'm I've sorry and then yeah. you're like well, well you fucked me over yeah yeah and, I've been there and I've done that too and I felt bad about it as well yeah you, you feel like you have the upper hand but sometimes you were in you 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 wanted to take the first step because you wanted to have the upper hand you had the you had the power yeah. To, to do it, so you might have taken taken that risk, but sometimes it's not always. I don't know. It's it's rough. But all you can do is be a fucking Galapagos finch and try to adapt to your new uh, shithole way of living for a while. Yeah. Say stupid shit like I'll never find love again. <laughs> oh boy, I met those people. <laughs> those right, fucking, George? Those fucking oh, the people. worst. Yeah. What are you gonna do? But uh, you will find love again, folks. You will. I mean, you might not. Let's be honest. Well, you might not. Well, if you you should find love in yourself, you dickhead. Okay. Good point. Take a yoga class, you piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> do acid again. Oh, again, do acid yeah. while doing yoga. Yeah, sure. sure while sure, having sure. sex sure, at the sure, same time. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. While writing a poem. That works. Uh, but yeah, pretty little, uh, pretty little ditty. Yeah. Good golly, Miss Molly. I like it, but uh, I want to move on, George. To, uh, yeah, actually, I've been pretty good. I haven't said favorite that much. How many times did I say it? One, once. Yeah, I think just Okay, once. cool. So yeah. I'm about to say it again. Here's my next two favorite songs, back to back. Yeah. But, Solid. uh, this one, I don't know. I should know, but I don't think this was officially a single. Muzzle nope. or, nope. or, or Galapagos? Muzzle. No, Muzzle wasn't. Muzzle, oh, sorry. The next song, Muzzle, it wasn't an official single, but it was played on the radio, and it should be. It's a fucking great... Yeah. Song. Uh, but we'll talk about it after. Okay. Here we are. Song number 12. Muzzle. up rocker but this is a fucking great song for me yeah. i'm gonna go out and say b 
Billy Corgan's best lyric written complete song from start to beginning. No one likes to read from start to beginning. Just just the whole start to beginning. Start to beginning. Like start over again and just keep reading it. Um, I just it's got a it's got a very Pink Floydish uh, not not the beginning but kind of the end and I want to play the outro by itself the outro is epic and which is start now but we'll 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 do it okay. later um, it's kind of a straight up song like just one, four four it sounds like four chords mm-hmm. uh, I think he even said on, on one of his quotes that he started he wrote this on a piano first just one two kind of a he said John Lennon ish style you know like imagine that kind of thing or Coldplay just the big splash chords and you just a 4-4 song yeah. um, and, and I guess we'll go but before we go into the song he uh, he kept on wanting to make it this epic song and Jimmy Chamberlain's such a perfectionist on drums but he wanted Jimmy Chamberlain to like relax a little bit and and and, and this is, again, Billy Corgan's much better explaining shit than I am. Nearly a month to convince Jimmy to play with such joyful abandon on his fills. And I cited the great Big Star. If you don't know the band Big Star, check them. Maybe we'll do one of their albums. As an example where playing loose didn't necessarily mean playing poorly. The notion opened up a whole new gateway to Jimmy's drumming, where emotional expressionism took priority over his vaunted technical precision. So, yeah, I mean... And I, I think that's what makes muzzle epic level proportions is his drumming on kind of a, if you gave this to an average drummer, this would be a great song still, mm-hmm. but it's those fills and him coming back into the big choruses and the big, you know, they go, it's very of the time, mellow distortion, mellow distortion, yeah. but in a way that's really cool. It's not distortion just for the solo, distortion comes in the verse to pick up the verses. Um, he does a uh, kind of a George Harrison chorus as all things must surely have to end all things must pass and all great loves will one day have to part I know that I am meant for this world um, and we were talking about this even with the like people talking about celebrity endings and, and divorces and shit is that and I know we mentioned this on many other podcasts too. Is love ending? It doesn't mean a bad. Doesn't mean you failed. Yeah. Doesn't it, mean that it was a bad love. It doesn't mean that. Um. It, it wasn't worth it. Fault. Yeah. Yeah. It it means that whatever this temporal thing that you had ran, ran its course. Yeah. And there's really nothing wrong with that. It might hurt, and it you know it sucks. Yeah. But that's I mean such, such is the way of the world. Yeah. I mean, what are you gonna do? Yeah, and just thankful for that for that little brief moment of uh, intense love that two people had, and it, it's over. Yeah. Um, Time heals, but I'm forever broken. By and by the way, have you ever heard the song? Uh, heard the words I'm singing in these songs? It's for the girl I've loved all along. Can a taste of love be so just wrong? Just a taste of it, just for a little while. Just Did, a little bit, but it didn't work out. So it was a failure. Yeah. yeah well, Muzzle. whatever. Um. And then they go into a bridge here, uh, which, if I remember, was by the song Radiohead Bones. Bones from <laughs> Pick the Bends. That up. Bump. Was Good. that the same? That was the same year as this one, right? 1995. Nice. And uh, powerful. Radiohead. Yeah, the pumpkins go. As in my mind, I was floating far above the clouds. Some children laughed. I'd fall for certain, thinking that 
uh, I'd last forever. And then and uh, Bones' lyric is when you've got it, uh, when you've got to feel it in your bones. And I used to fly like Peter Pan. All the children flew when I touched your hands. Pumpkins and Radiohead. Just trying to take uh, the kids to the next level. Yeah, and I think. Um, but it, this is more that people were laughing at him for thinking that he was gonna be in this upper echelon forever. And the yeah. kids laugh. The next generation laugh at him, which is what just generation did. You know? Happens. <laughs> and I think uh, he, he's, he's still he's still singing in his in his wide-eyed childhood childhood phase here. You know what I mean? He's. Uh, Kind of just like, wait, what's going on? I'm like, what? Oh, well, I guess it's over. Oh, that's this sucks. Yeah, eh. and, and well, and and, and this eh, is I don't like, like this. Well, this is like the first song that it's not. You know, when you say upper, it's not that the songs are Debbie Downer, but they're a darker tone, nihilistic. This is kind of like a celebration of life, but with a bittersweet melancholy. Yeah, yeah, it, 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 that you not since. Uh, not since tonight tonight i think every song has been kind of a again night like you said not a downer but uh anger yeah angsty and this one it, it it's definitely a little sweeter yeah. it's definitely got a little uh and it might just be the case of, of major chords but um yeah it's a little nicer that is definitely part of it you can't deny it. it's just these big major chords and he goes on this little thing here where uh this is kind of where i was going with pink floyd is he does this one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight lines of I News, as you hear him singing right now, mm-hmm. and then he goes into three lines of and the world, or four worlds of the world. Um, and I knew exactly where I was, and I knew the meaning of it all. Did Does he? Or does, in that moment, do you feel like that, you ever had that moment where you just feel like you do, not even that you're a God, but you just have that connection that you get it, and not that you... Not that you'll know how to live through, and like, it doesn't mean I understand it, now everything will be great, but you're just like, oh, I get my faults. I get my friend's faults, I get my mom's faults, I get my girl's faults, I get, you know, whatever. It's just all of a sudden you get the meaning of it all, that it's not, it's so much more complex than you can even understand. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I knew the distance to the sun. I think that's in reference to Icarus. Yeah. Too high to the sun. Know your... uh, it's kind of just like knowing, knowing your boundaries, knowing how, where to push what, how to, how far to go, yeah, in, in those circumstances with drugs, with love, with yeah. you know, how, how, why do you, or how much do you want to open your heart, or how much you know, like get close because it's warm and it's fun, yeah. yeah, but don't, yeah. don't get up there and burn your wings and then crash and burn, yeah. Uh, I knew the echo that is love, the echo that is love, just. The, the feeling of love from everything, from mm-hmm. fucking trees to birds to the woman to your best friend to uh, your your neighbor that you never talked to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew the secret in your spires. Do you know what that means? Not what it means, but do you know? I don't... Secret in your spires. Um, that one kind of... Tapering the emptiness of you. Structure of the top of the building. Just, yeah, I'm not sure about that one. I'm a little. The the secret in your spire is the top of your. Like the pyramid on the dollar bill, the eye. Yeah, I mean, he is in the Illuminati kind of. Yeah, <laughs> he's a conspiracy. He's he a, is. He's an Alex Jones fan. He is. I, I listen to it, and he's, but he's not as crazy as that some of those other fuckers, so I'm okay with that. Yeah. Uh, I knew the emptiness of youth. Solitude of heart. 
Murmurs of the Soul. And then he goes into his In the World. So he went, I knew. This is about him. Then he kind of backs it up a little more. Mm -hmm. And the world is drawn into your hands. And the world is etched upon your heart. And it's so hard to understand. So it, that's the acceptance. Is this? I think as a kid, you're like, no, I got it. I know what's going on. And then, you know, these old people are boring. They don't understand how it is. And then all of a sudden you realize no one knows how it is. And what it's we're, what's impossible going on. to understand. Yeah. But instead of being uh, sad about it, it's like that, there's a freeness to that feeling. And I feel like I'm, I, I must, I, I'm going to keep saying this until we stop doing these podcasts. But that's such a universal feeling. I like that being re- re-emphasized over and over again. That the freedom actually is in not knowing and all of us agreeing that we don't know. We always fight over what we, what we think we know. When, if we all just agreed we don't know shit, we there's, could start from there. There's beauty in that. I mean, it, there, there, it means that there's, uh, it means that we haven't figured everything out when we think we have. Um, you know, there's certain things that we just won't be able to, you know. We won't, the distance of the sun, that kind of thing. Yeah. Just like, expansiveness. I don't know. It's beautiful. Let's turn it up and go out. Yeah. Let's let Billy finish out. I think this is a great outro. The meaning of it all. The distance to the sun. The echo that is love. The secrets in your
Queen of the Vast Oshanza. We're gonna uh, we're just gonna jump into it and we'll play the song on the outro to this one. It's just it's their uh, you know they got the couple like jammy songs that I was talking about, but then they have two like epic uh, progressive rock. And I yeah. guess the only reason it's progressive rock is it's long, long it's and chain, but long. very dynamic. Yeah. And this is the first one. There's another one on the other album, but um, I mean. As far as musicality, that intro so cool. It's just got these swells coming in, and like I don't know if that's like guitar feedback. And it's very calm, and 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 yeah, you're not expecting. And then when it when it cuts in, it's a clear cut, yeah. And then it sounds like Judas Priest or like I don't I don't even know what it is. It sounds like '70s guitar rock out of mm. nowhere and then it goes to this underwater tribal like listen to the drums just that slow tribal thump uh, the guitars are in that really phased out it almost sounds like there's a keyboard playing yeah. too everything's phased out and kind of like coming in and out of uh, you know it sounds like it's almost like a plugs bed and like the sounds coming out and then back into this great Heaviness. Yeah, you're almost underwater. It's like a, you're like in the clouds, just kind of. And, I, and he, he talks about floating. Um, and I mean the drums too on this. This is the song that I believe. drops back out again and you got like that dock like water coming up on the dock kind of and the feedback guitars and two voices coming together it's so yeah out there yeah it's I mean it's just the just the the uh amount of uh, of not uh, like like I was saying earlier about the the palettes and the wide the vast uh, palette that Smash Pumpkins has with yeah. the tones and this Billy Corgan's voice even and, and the, just the songwriting in general. I mean, I, this is uh, you know this is just adds to that. It just it's the same the same like business as usual for Smashing Pumpkins in their weirdness in their you know yeah. in their. Ex- Pushing experimentation, the, yeah, yeah, and it's almost like a, uh, it's like a siren song, like his goddess awaits. Shortly, you know the, he's the, you know the the woman that will never be, but that he's kind of built up. But it's also just not a lot of gibberish, and he he goes into it. Um, I mean, I don't even know where to start on this song, but he. The beginning kind of his quote on this is just about a lot of their songs come from jams and then he has to figure out how to write lyrics on it. Um, he talks about trying to write lyrics for this. Um, Only 72 hours before the first of four planned such dates, I found myself with about 400 lines to fill and very little idea of what I might want to say, if indeed I want to say anything at all. I erased my way through various spiraled notebooks, compiling a sort of master syllabus of lines and fragmented poems that I jotted down along my travails. What came out in a haste was a sort of running screed, where common ideas spilled over one another until I wasn't sure what any of the songs were really about. Um, 
I ended up keeping most of what I scrawled out in that moment of compression and pressure, and you can see that most clearly in the song, like Porcelina, where vague allusions to mythic tides and sinking ships seem to only enhance the unconscious feelings within. Carl Jung would be proud. <laughs> as much as I want every line of every song to be perfect, there is something perfect about not fussing over anything too much, letting synchronicity be a teacher and guide to the stars. Yeah. Again, Billy, Billy Corgan, just stop it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's got, uh, if he can only write lyrics the way he talks, you know what I mean? It'd be easier to decipher. Right. Yeah, you're very good at explaining, but your songs are yeah. jarble. Uh, this is, I mean, this is a, this is one of those, like, uh, Homer the Iliad kind of, like, epic, uh, poem poems, you know what I mean? Yeah. With gods and their creations, with filth and disease, porcelain as she waits for me, with seashell hissing lullabies. And this isn't your standard 90s rock song. No, not at all. It's got the little electronic blips flying in an hour here. Constant feedback. Uh, and kind of the, the hook, or the... Well, he, he does different things. In my mind, I'm everyone. That's kind of you are me, I am you. Mm -hmm. Without a care in this whole world, it's what you take that makes it right. And into my mind, I'm everyone. It's that just... It's just it, I, these are one of these songs that make make me happy to be a human. That another human thought to write this. This, song. yeah, yeah, to go this deep, dark out into the cut of of the vast oceans of sounds, and just somehow I think he also another quote. It's just they almost killed themselves trying to put this together. I can't and imagine like, how you even would do that. And just like why are we it doing makes this? No sense. I'm exhausted. Yeah. yeah. Um. And then they go on this long phase right here. It's just, I think there's like a minute and a half outro of just this kind of feedback. Yeah. Um, a great epic song to to the penultimate, as George says. Yeah. Before we get into the, the last song. Um, but what a way to, to end, uh, you know, one of the best albums of the 90s in a double album, Porcelain of the Vast Oceans. Now we have... We're gonna go into uh, actually. Let's just talk about it quickly and then just play it, and we'll we'll end this. Take me down. Yeah. Okay. James Eha's first contribution <clears throat> yeah. to mm -hmm. sole contribution to uh, uh, Smashing Pumpkins. As far album. as writing, writing and singing. Um, it's a sweet song. Uh, should I? Do you do you have anything you really kind of want to start on about it, or do you want me to hate do it? this song? It's my just least. Kidding, I don't hate it. It's my least favorite. Yeah. It's 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 okay. Take me down. Yeah, it's a weird way to end it. It's a weird way to end side one, track one. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a calming way to kind of end it before we get into the more brooding, dark. It's funny because mm -hmm. the beginning of this album was was dark. Um, just seeing if we should. Uh... Lyrics are good. Yeah, and his singing is okay. Yeah, you know. Uh, I guess when they were working on Take Me Down, um, he said it was a different kind of solo effort. James would not allow his song to be transmuted for its primary colors by the band. We did work on it endlessly as a group, perhaps spending more time on it than any other in the studio. As such, when we finished the album, I sequenced it towards the end of record one, because thematically it fit in nowhere I could find. Although sonically its drowsiness had echoes elsewhere. James saw the demotion of his favorite song to the back of the line in an unfavorable slate, killing his desire to con contribute to the band as a writer of note from moment on. 
Um, and you know, it's 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 not terrible, but compared to the rest of this, yeah, it's just not. It doesn't stand up. Yeah. Uh, but for where for where he put it, it's not like it sucks and you put because you usually put a good song at the end of a even a double album you, you, you put it at the end it fits nicely but it wouldn't fit anywhere else mm-hmm. in this in this album um, but just to let them have a song on it's shows it enough, enough respect too yeah um, and there's some cool drum work going on by um, Jimmy. Jimmy I think he said something about this is the first time he uses brushes on a some uh, I was about to say something about Smashing Pumpkin song and some congas too um and there's some really cool slides going on in the background. But, yeah, just, you know, we'll play this out. And this is the end of side one of their epic 28th song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll go out with, uh, we'll go out with this one. And uh, make sure you listen to us next week for part two of Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness by Smash Pumpkins. Don't forget to check out the website www.thisismusicpodcast.com and if you could subscribe on iTunes I don't you know can subscribe you on iTunes um, apparently that helps you can go through the website to do that it's a little hard iTunes sucks 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 super sucks it sucks so bad it sucks yeah it sucks and uh, but go to our website uh, I did a little adding to it so you can be a little more organized and whatnot. um share and tell your friends if you like it if you have friends that like music uh, write us we've had uh couple of people write really nice things to us and that's appreciated we uh it's just nice to hear things from people whether or not they like us or not uh we feel so alone out here it's 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 quiet so alone i drink my america and wonder <sighs> how long will america and last you wonder um yeah so we'll go out with uh take me down stay tuned for part two next week thank you bye